0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: The coldness has left us, but according to the sun this morning, uh, it could well be coming back. They're they're pretty much now ruling out the chance of a white Christmas, but certainly icy temperatures to return further up the country. So be prepared at some stage, they're saying perhaps over the weekend um, of some things like, uh, you know, at best up the country, wintry flurries but no snow settling. Uh, so, um, you know, we were thinking there might be a white Christmas if the cold snap that we had continued, but it ain't going to happen. Now, there is a story that isn't making the papers this morning. It uh, might be making the online uh, sections of the, the newspapers, but this is the the ramming of jeeps and the violent scenes in Rathkeel Town uh, yesterday. Um, and again, unfortunately, this has more to do with rival gangs and feuds than anything else. You always know something's up when you hear of machetes being produced in incidents like this, and some of the vehicles uh, that were actually destroyed and written off, they would have cost a pretty penny, I can tell you. So, unfortunately, more violent scenes, and, of course, we had um, also issues like that with regards to feuding uh, families and feuding gangs here on side last week. So it's Rathkeel from yesterday, last night and overnight. Very sad pictures making the papers this morning of the body of the heroic soldier Sean Rooney back in the arms of his heartbroken, heartbroken family after touching down in Ireland. Photographs of his coffin being taken from the aircraft at Casement Aerodrome, uh, wrapped and draped with the Irish tricolour, uh, forever loved is the headline in the mirror today. Mum's agony as body of her son arrives in Ireland ahead of his funeral. The Mail this morning says a hero is home, and and it really is a beautifully beautiful tribute. The photograph photographs in the papers today because the coffin with the tricolour being taken from the aircraft at casement is being flanked by members of the Irish Air Corps. Every single one of them in step every single one of them uh, paying respect to their fallen comrade. Uh, Vehicle hit by 27 shots from a number of locations. So investigations continue now. They figure that there was at least three gunmen involved, according to Lebanese security sources. It's a story that makes the mail today that the vehicle driven by Private Sean Rooney was hit by 27 direct shots from numerous locations. Um, He never stood a chance. It's absolutely... Um, terrible what happened out there um, and again we were talking about this in the papers yesterday where they're now saying that this needs to be dealt with as a criminal act, a criminal act of murder. Um, another thing that couldn't, I don't know whether you'd classify um, 76 patients on trolleys as being a criminal act but it certainly is a damn disgrace and uh, Sinn Féin's Thomas Gould makes the paper stay, the echo because he says that uh, the health system is ready to buckle if it hasn't already, Tommy, if it hasn't already, CUH has the busiest emergency department nationally yesterday with 76 patients uh, on trolleys, um, and it just goes from bad to worse. They say the state must step in. you think that that was some kind of an emergency where the state must step in. The state should always be stepping in. It's the state that should be preventing this from happening. And it's not just about the patients, of course, who are front and centre in all of this, but it's also about the staff and the fact that many of them are working now in an unsafe environment. And were it anywhere else, particularly in the private sector, it shouldn't, certainly wouldn't be tolerated for staff uh, and employers would be held to account. But apparently in, in the public sector, these kind of things don't seem to count. So Vincent mm-hmm. Nepal is reporting the Echo today that they're 30% up on last year with regards to calls for help and intervention. And we were chatting with them uh, the back end of last week. They're taking 1,400 calls a week now from people across Cork and Kerry in desperate need of help. And we drilled into the type of help that they need, that people need. They need, obviously, food. They obviously have issues in regards to paying bills and intervention on their behalf when it comes to uh, trying to, you know, put food on the table or keep the light and heat on. So there's all that and lots more besides that they have to contend with. With, again, again, a voluntary organisation that relies on the charity of the people where the state actually should be stepping in. And I think this was on Saturday. This Bosking I, I can't make it out from the echo today, but I believe that uh, if I'm right and I'm open to correction on this that the Bosking Festival That uh, that uh, Darren Brickley and others got involved with was on Saturday because I was in town Saturday afternoon and I saw loads of buskers around at different locations, particularly on Patrick's Road, particularly in around Superdry. There was some serious tunes going on, and they raised over five thousand euro uh, for Cork Penny Dinners. To put an accurate figure on it, five thousand seven hundred fifteen euro and seventy nine cent. And at one stage up from Superdry, I heard the I heard what I've now found out to be the Jingle Bells Choir. Um, was separately raising money for cockpenny dinners and the buzz and the atmosphere on Patrick Street on Saturday afternoon was just electric and they were really rocking but there was lots of other buskers came into town as well to support, so that was great to see, and it really did shine a light on all the good things about Cork City. Of course, we have all sorts of other issues going on there with regards to antisocial behaviour. See a story from the courts of a woman who, um, who gave an address as Cork Simon Community. Uh, a tough life at the best of times for Margaret D. C. But she was in court yesterday because <coughs> she had locked up 156 theft convictions. She eventually went to jail and got jail for nine months for all of these shoplifting lifting offences that culminated apparently with smashing a bottle of whiskey in a supermarket when she was barred from the supermarket uh, she's a tough life and uh, things just seem to go from bad to worse for some people when unfortunately, they haven't got a roof over their head and they're on the streets. And with that comes the risk of all sorts of issues, particularly with regards to addiction. Um, the papers then continue to look at um, the crises, and there are many within RTE, uh, because they have a scurrilous wage gap between men and women, the battle of the sexes. I wouldn't say that it has anything to do exclusively uh, with RTE. I think, unfortunately, it's a problem. I know dealt with this on this programme. In the past, with regards to the gap between men and women in the workplace, primarily doing the same job. Um, but men apparently are leading the wage packet battle within RT. And if that wasn't bad enough for them, if they could reverse out of the toy show musical, I'd say they would reverse out of it at speed because it's just gone from bad to worse. It was caught, co- you know, they put on the, the toy show musical and then were in, unable to sell tickets for it. And, you know, I mean, they've even been canceling shows now. They've been saying that the staff. Or getting sick and what have you, so they've cut back on shows and everything. They had expected to make serious cash out of this, but it's not going to happen. In fact, this show, uh, the Toy Show musical, was called in Dal and during the week a cynical, arrogant, money grabbing organization who has forgotten its primary purpose. Um, and I think RT have pushed back, I think uh, D Forbes tried to defend. Toy Show, the musical. I don't know what it is from the point of view of a production itself. But she says, we need to try new things. We need to try and grow and sustain. Well, I bet you're worried. I bet you regret trying that. bit like uh, Jeremy Clarkson. Why did The the Sun publish that? I mean, I, I saw it. Why did The Sun publish that article? Didn't anybody who saw it think, nah, we can't put that in. Saying hate, using the word hate wanting a woman to be marched down the streets and people to throw lumps of excrement at her. Why didn't they say, nah, take that out? But they published it all the same. So it's all very well now for Jeremy Clarkson to be coming out and apologising for shaming Meghan Markle. I have no particular gras for Meghan Markle myself, but he was it was some kind of ham-fisted attempt to make a reference to, is it Cersei Lannister, wasn't it? Yeah, in Game of Thrones. But it didn't work. It's gone down badly. And he says, I'm horrified to have caused so much hurt and I shall be more careful in future. It's not much of an apology. It certainly isn't a groveling apology. But that one backfired. But why publish it at all? When somebody say, listen... You can't have a rant like that. I mean, some would suggest and I think Laura correctly said it on Breakfast this morning, is it any wonder it kind of gives defence to the Sussexes as, 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 as to why they got out of UK in the first place with that kind of carry-on. And I was, was talking yesterday morning about Elon Musk. He has lost the online uh, poll as to whether he should stay as boss of Twitter or not. Uh, millions of Twitter users voted for Musk to resign and he has promised to abide by the results of his own poll. And am I I come to this a little later on this morning they've got the top 50 (coughs) yeah there's 50 of them the top 50 Christmas disasters I don't know if I get to read all 50 of them but the top ones that you might be interested in I totally agree with this roast potatoes that aren't crispy enough undercooked roast potatoes on Christmas day right up there with lumpy gravy um, soggy vegetables um, but there's another interesting one that comes in in the top five as well and that is running out of wrapping paper running out of wrapping paper as my wife said to me this morning if that's your biggest problem on Christmas Day you're doing alright
2: The Neil Prendeville Show gold winner for interactive speech program at the MRO Radio Awards 2022 course
1: Red FM I'm going on tour all around the world after the break
2: This is The Neil Prendeville Show Text and WhatsApp 086 8104 106 Gorg's Red FM And
1: lots of paddy box hampers going to the four corners of the globe over the last week or so. Some have already arrived, which is great news, delighted to say. Got a lovely email in from Melissa O'Sullivan about her son, and It's a great story uh, where he just literally upsticks and headed off to Spain. Um, It happened to be uh, during COVID, so he was making a big change in his life. And she misses him. And why wouldn't she? She joins me by phone. Melissa, good morning morning. Hang on a second. Let me get myself sorted. We've got the Christmas gremlins. Can you hear me now, Melissa?
3: I can, of course. Neil, how are you?
1: Lovely chatting with you. Happy Christmas to all. So, what's the story from the Commons Road? Your son, Kean decided at one stage that he was going to have a change of scene, wasn't it?
3: He was indeed. Kean was in his second year in UCC College. He was 21 at the time. It was a year and a half ago, April 2021, when we were all in lockdown. Yep. And... Um, he was going to in college, but he was obviously not on campus because he was doing uh, COVID. He was online. They were
1: campus. all online. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he find it, it tough? Was, Did he find all that tough? Because there's a lot of social aspects to college life exactly. that was denied. Yeah.
3: There was no one going out, you know, and he is very social. He's a social kid. And I always remember he was upstairs in the bedroom and he was online. And he's a very good kid and always worked hard. And he was always the one to travel. And I remember him saying to me, Mom, I'm going to go soon. And I was like, where are you going to go? I said, we're in the middle of lockdown. You can't go anywhere. You can't go anywhere. And he, yeah, and he said, I'm going to go to Estepona. I said, Estepona, why Estepona? And he, there was a guy, a buddy of his had moved there previously and he was over there. Yeah. So within a week, he upsticked. To try and talk yeah. him out of
1: it.
3: <laughs> yeah, he just he just went, and I was like, oh my god, he's actually gone. <laughs> and he's a very, you know, what? he's a very confident kid. Thank God. Yeah. And he got a job in a bar, a bar called Healy's, in an Arizona. Irish bar,
1: an Irish bar, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, an Irish bar over there. Worked there for the summer, had a great time. And then he was going back to college online again. And but he took a year out. He got a job remote again in Estepona because it was still all locked down for a company in Barcelona. So he took two jobs take a year out and he's happy as Larry now. But I have to ask
1: you, what was his Spanish like?
3: Do you know what? He actually had no Spanish. It'd
1: <laughs> be alright yeah. in an Irish bar, but possibly yeah, yeah. a challenge with a sales company.
3: A hundred percent. He is actually doing Spanish at the moment. He's learning Spanish at the moment and he's doing quite well and not a, he's not a bother he's working now at the moment he's working because everything is opened up now so yeah. he was obviously got a job in the town town in Estepona and he's happy as Larry met a Swedish girl so I'd say he will be might be there for a while
1: <laughs> I have to say now at this point of the conversation that over the past few weeks with people all over the world that keeps coming up either yeah by and large Irish men falling in love with Scandinavian women Finnish, yes. Swedish, um, Norwegian. It's been an, it's amazing. It's like there's a there's a there's a, there's a good Mag. clatter of emails where this has happened. Scandinavian love. Um, mind yeah. you, in many of those cases they followed their loved one back home to Sweden. There's no chance of him yeah, doing that, is there?
3: She's a settled girl in Estepona all her life, so look, where we would I you know what, Neil, once they're happy. Isn't
1: that all amazing. that matters? It's not all and that's he is happy. Amazing. Did he get back that's for Christmas twenty twenty one?
3: He did. he came home for Christmas 2021 yeah he did indeed so we had a great time but unfortunately due to work he's only got two days off this year so he's not coming home which is very tough I'm getting messages from him at the moment saying he's funny. he's missing a terrible because I suppose Irish Christmas and Spanish Christmas it is different
1: when you're away from your family. what's he missing?
3: he's missing going out with the lads Going for a pint with my husband, going for our usual meal. We always go to Scoozies twice, <sighs> two, times a year. It's a great spot. It's just all the little things, you know, oh, know and they're know. teaching to them as kids, I suppose. I know. But, I know. You know, it's only, I said to him, it's only a day. Don't worry about it. You'll be happy. He's spending Christmas with her family. I said, and we're going over in January.
1: That's so. great. Something nice to look oh, forward to. Well, exactly. I don't know. He may well have received the hamper already, but it's certainly been sent. You don't know if it's arrived yet?
3: hasn't arrived yet but he's delighted and he really appreciates
1: it it's on the way
3: and and that's fantastic that's great Neil I do I really really appreciate it not at all
1: not at all because you miss him of course you miss him particularly at Christmas time but you are right as long as he's happy is all that matters isn't it 100%,
3: Hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, okay. thanks very much for that, and I really appreciate. Well, it's it.
1: chock full of all of the goodies: the Taylor cheese and onion, the berries tea, loads and loads of chocolates, and also we've got some Tanora in there. And his hamper, actually, because we can track the hampers, is due in tomorrow. Tomorrow's the twenty-first, oh, right. isn't it? Yeah. And so tomorrow.
3: Yeah, and would you believe? Last night I was on the, I was on mess I was on FaceTime to him because he was actually at the lights in Malaga. The lights <laughs> were being turned on and. He says to me, he said, Mum,
4: would there be any Tanora in the back? <laughs> there is. <laughs> and I
3: said, what? I said, I, I don't know. I said, hopefully there might be. So he'll be there thrilled.
1: Is. There is. So if he's listening, happy, happy Christmas to Kean. You'll have that tomorrow. He can wet his whistle yeah. with Tanora in one hand and Tato Crisps in the other and have a good exactly. feed with all of the uh, Swedish in-laws. All right? Uh,
3: thank you so much, Lee. Neil. Can I just mention one more thing, if you don't mind? Yeah. I just want to say a huge well done, and we are so proud of my sister Jenny O'Sullivan, who is after qualifying for the World Cup next year with the Irish women's team.
1: Oh my God, is she one of the players on the squad? That's brilliant.
3: Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we can throw us
1: family. all in there as well. Congratulations yeah. from all of us.
3: Do you know what? We're a big family. She's the youngest of ten. I'm the eldest, and we are all super proud of her. Well She's done. She's actually coming home Thursday from America, so
1: it's great alright well happy family reunion for Thursday thank you very and much and enjoy the meal out to Scusi it's a great spot and happy Christmas That's to you all great. Melissa no bother thank
3: you so much lovely
1: story butter. thank you so much and no good butter. morning to Kian and everybody out in Estepona if you don't mind can I just head even further afield Tom Wallace is in Norway Tom good morning good morning Ma- a mallow man oh, good originally morning. good my man good what took you to Norway
5: uh, it's just circumstances at home with the country I suppose and work wasn't great yeah and
1: I suppose they'd, um, being a being a plumber they'd have an awful lot of frozen pipes in Norway I'd say
5: uh, not really I've <laughs> kind of gotten more industrial since I came over here so it's not too bad so why did
1: you pick uh, I Norway?
5: I was in Norway a couple of years ago and um, they pay for your flights and come over and the money is good and you're put up an accommodation you, you know you don't have to do anything really yeah, only yeah just get out of flight
1: yeah your your email jumped off the page to me when I read this following passage when I do get home in the future I won't be eating fish the food here is terrible <laughs> how bad is it <laughs> oh it's diabolical
5: I don't need butter anymore I don't the bread here is shocking you could open a sliced pan there and it's just gone off the day like I don't know did Food is brutal here, yeah, fairly bad,
1: all right. <laughs> I mean, is it only fish? Like, can you not get a steak there, or a curry, or a pizza, or a stir-fry? Uh, you, uh, you, you, you
5: could go to a place, all right, but you'd be paying 50, 60 quid, like, you know. Like a, a pint of beer is
1: 10 euro. Oh, my God. It's hidden that way here oh, anyway, bro. so don't worry about that too much. <laughs> so what are you missing from home, then? I hear tell the big Irish fry up, is it? Yeah well
5: there's a buddy of mine actually walks works over with me there He's from Cove And um, he he brought over bits and pieces there No alright a couple of months ago But like yeah, I think he brought over 16 sausages But we kind of rationed it off <laughs> Had two sausages every Sunday So <laughs> uh, every, everything And he brought over real butter then But they took that off at the
1: airport so, <laughs> Why? What the hell for all innocent know. butter? I, what did they think it was? Semtex or something? God's sake
5: uh, Yeah the food The food is fairly bad Here in no, like. Yeah, to be honest with yeah, you, like, yeah. you You know you go to a shop You make, make your own Bits and pieces Kind of thing like But even restaurants there Like you, you'd spend A hundred quid If you went in
1: And bought a steak Or anything like I know but are the Wages you know? good then By comparison I suppose Are they Oh they would be yeah, yeah the wages Are fairly good here Like you know You'd
5: have a good You'd be better
1: Standard of living here like You're you're a professional Smuggler I hear You've smuggled back In the sausages You've smuggled back In Barry's tea <laughs> I hear you're rationing The tea bags are you Yes, yes,
5: yes. We'll try and stick uh one one tea bag a day if we can. One t- use but, uh, one tea bag uh, uh, for two, I-
6: for
1: for two two mugs, is it? <laughs> <laughs>
5: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I think when I got back in June and I brought a few bits over, like but it's 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 it, it doesn't be long going, you know. I know. It's weird the tea bags can't be got here or ah, well, like don't that. Don't worry about that. Here, I'm man. sending
1: I'm sending as we say saying Cork a langer load of tea bags your way. So don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> brown sauce as well man, as I is it, it. Chef, is it chef brown sauce you've a groffer is it? <laughs> Chef, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chef with the hammer uh, for Christmas. <laughs> I don't have any of that. <laughs> I don't have any of that, but I do have Ballymaloo relish because I hear tell you're a fan of that too, all right? Ah, fabulous. fabulous, fabulous. Thank you very much. I appreciate right. it. Okay, what else, what else were you talking about that you were missing? Oh, yeah, Kimberly biscuits. You, like me, the chocolate Kimberleys are a must at Christmas time, aren't oh. they? Oh, yeah, the
5: grandmother got me into them years ago. <laughs> <It's okay. clears> that was religiously in her house, like so. I look forward to them as well. Thank you. And you can
1: heart. wash it all down then with Tanora. We took out the Rock Shandy and we put in Tanora instead. It made perfect ah, sense. fair it. pleasure. Right. Fair pleasure. You haven't fallen in love with Best the Scandinavian. You haven't fallen in love with the Scandinavian or anything, have you? No, not just, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Working. On There's it. plenty time for us. All right. Okay. So, what's Christmas Day going to be like? Um,
5: well, I, I yeah, I'm going up north. Um, I've a I've, um, couple of friends up north, and I've two kids at home, alright, like, But the kids are kind of grown up now, so um, they, they'll be spending it with their mum this Christmas kind yeah, of thing. Like so, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got north a couple of friends, um, but they celebrate Christmas Day on the twenty
1: fourth. right, okay. What's like?
5: It's uh, there's no turkey and ham or anything like that. Like fish, I fish. I suppose. Uh, no, I warned them not to fish. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not but, uh, they're into different things delicacies there like lamb no, and all this kind of mad stuff that like would that. be alright
1: that would be interesting nice roast rack of lamb would be alright wouldn't it absolutely absolutely we won't say no happy <laughs> Christmas to you Tom and everybody in Norway and the hamper's on the way nice you should have it in the next day or two. Oh, listen to everybody that receives a hamper overseas we need a photograph of the gang with absolutely. the hamper so that includes you too. get a load of Norwegians around take a snap for me will you I will, course, I will, of course. All right, pal. Happy Christmas, time. Cook. Take and care. And the same to yourself. Thank you very much. All back the back best. Down
2: call the Neil Prenderville show now 0818 104 106 Red FM
1: Yes indeed I read out some more emails and greetings to people overseas who got in touch with me unfortunately not for hampers now anymore because all of them have been allocated and sent and I'm chatting as well to winners of of hampers and what have you but I want to say another big thank you to everybody at paddybox.com for coming on board this year um, and express delivering hampers all over Ireland and indeed all over the world themselves they delivered to 180 countries and there's still a last opportunity to get one uh, around Ireland with next day delivery they've got a really special one on now called the night before Christmas hamper 39 99 and it's got all sorts of uh, goodies and keepsakes and all sorts of stuff in it including uh, O'Connell's hot chocolate spoons with marshmallows and all sorts of a certificate of goodness whether you're on the good list or the naughty list uh, from Santa Claus and, and things like that but check them out online thepaddybox.com and thank you to them for coming on board. You're absolutely right to be texting about the death of Terry Hall The Terry Hall passed away yesterday at the age of, of uh, 63 the front man of the ska band the specials, yeah their roots were in ska but they were a lot more than just a ska band and played Cork many many times, I would imagine there are people listening to me now that saw them, uh, the specials on Lee side. whether it might have been down the Ark I know they played a lot of gigs in East Cork and West Cork and played the city many many times in the Ark, they probably played the Opera House, they probably played cypress avenue at times like that they probably played henry's in places but sadly he passed away yesterday at the age of 63 and i think everybody is playing ghost town and that's fair enough i get that but we chatted about it this morning we said there were a lot of other great special songs besides ghost town and we chose this I hope you enjoy it <laughs> Terry Hall from The Specials and a message to you Rudy he left The Specials and went on uh, to form a band called uh, Fun Boy 3 you might recall Fun Boy 3 had a hit with a song called The Lunatics Have Taken Over at The Asylum uh, another big hit uh, for Terry Hall and the band and then he went on and wrote an awful lot of different songs Uh, for a lot of different bands we'll come back to that but this is close and personal to you or at least Kevin to your dad Dave isn't it because he played uh, he played with Disney. who supported the specials
7: supported the specials in 1981 on the 17th of January where was that it was at the ARC um, the micro Disney were kind of the house band at the time at the Ark before they went over to England um, my dad never went over to England but played when they played all their gigs in Cork well he went over to England b- before they became big I suppose in yeah. the charts um, and yeah he's such a fond memory of that gig like it's one of the things I love to say is the drum kit I would have played on at home when I was growing up was also played on by the specials and the beat. Because so the
1: specials used your dad's drum kit? They
7: used my dad's Amazing. drum kit because they were the house band so that he set up the drums and then the lads came in and they, they sound checked and they they worked away on it. Um, and it was just, like he has such fond memories of that gig because he said at the end of the gig everybody got up on stage and just danced away with the band when, when the beat, because it was, I think the specials I think the micro obviously played and then the specials played and then the beat played them out and at the end of the gig everybody he came on stage and I think the beat and the specials toured around but obviously um, well, well, well before my time yeah. before I was even yeah. a twinkle in the eye yeah. um, but they have some amazing stories like I was just reading an article here about their tour in 81 and they were saying that in Belfast they played and they were worried about trouble they were and yeah. that was every- highly
1: ta- yeah, that was highly spoke of at the time yeah
7: yeah and it was a bit of a risky move to go up and play a gig there and they were so pleasantly surprised until they got to the encore and they saw the people in the balcony relieving themselves <laughs> on the people below and then they began to think oh god okay where are we and actually he said it was when they went to the Stardust which I think burned down only 10 days after they their gig, he said there was a massive, enormous brawl. Um, there was glass bottles, there was all sorts of stuff, and all the the all the exits, as we further found out, we were, were padlocked, hand. God and on, locked. So they had to run into the dressing room. Did your Dad tell you all this? No, no, no. I'm just reading this. He he only ever spoke really about the Cork gigs. He okay. spoke spoke about Susie Sue playing as well and Susan yeah. played the arc, and she got gobbed at and then uh, had a huff and walked off <laughs>
2: so they ended somebody up listening to this conversation from
1: overseas thinks it's a dangerous thing to go to an Irish gig yeah. it's not That's these true. were just isolated incidents people
7: <laughs> but the arc was a great place like I mean in the Ark was you know and I, I, I suppose it's where my parents met and it's growing up now in Cork um, your mammy fell in love with the drummer yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Story. I think she had her eye on him for a while to be honest <laughs> um, but like, I, I, I just think it's such a pity that we don't have something like that because you think of even the crowds like the specials and the beat where you know for them to come to Cork and it was, it was incredible I'd actually love to hear from people who were at that gig yeah. Um, because it's almost like a mythical place in our family's history because you know my parents went their friends would have gone and, and
1: the specials used your dad's gr-
7: drum kit yeah and I'll never yeah. forget it so yeah. they're, the, they're the, the second most famous person to use it after me obviously oh obviously. totally yeah, yeah, without
1: yeah, a yeah, doubt the said. apple didn't fall far <laughs> from the tree <laughs> yeah. pitch, what yeah. band are you in now and when's the next album out And yeah. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll give you the exclusive on this show anyway Anyway, when
1: we do bring break. <laughs> All right, okay, <laughs> nice one, nice one, nice one, nice one. Actually, you know, talking about great acts and great entertainment, we were out last night uh, for the show's Christmas party. We went to Clancy's and we had a great night. I want to say thank you to everybody at Clancy's uh, for setting aside an area for us and lovely food and everybody thoroughly enjoyed it. There was some great music on in Clancy's as well. They had band after band after band. I think it might have one of, the, one of those that played in Clancy's night in the in on the show tomorrow. Uh, But I was a little early uh, getting into town last night so I went for a bit of a stroll around town um, and I popped in and said hello to Dan and everybody in the chateau and then I popped down because I hadn't been there in a long, I mean it's like 35 years since I went through the door of the Mutton Lane. I had about 10 minutes to spare and I was just wondering what it was like now 35 years on so I just popped in down the lane for, for 10 minutes and it was just like going into a time warp back in time not just back in time to the mid 80s but back in time to the 50s or the 40s or the 30s because they really have protected it. It is a little treasure of a pub and well worth visiting and a great buzz in there yesterday. In fact, there's a great buzz in town these days. I was talking about uh, being in town on Saturday afternoon. and um, actually got the bus home. I got the bus home, the 207. Uh, I don't know if you've been on a bus lately, but this was amazing because it was, I don't know how new the bus was, but it was spanking clean. Did you know that on the buses now they've got little USB charging ports? I never saw Never saw that in a bus in my life, but there they were nonetheless. So, loads of buses, loads of spaces, and by the time we got to Douglas, the bus was full. So, it was a fantastic way and a much cheaper way to get around uh, on the bus out of the city on Saturday afternoon.
2: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106 Cork's Red FM. And indeed, be very
1: careful because I'm positive, just announced they've just announced that uh, the public should be aware that you need to send cards and letters, no letter later than today, for guaranteed delivery by Christmas time. So today's the day if you got something on the table or hidden in a drawer and you want to put a stamp on it and post it, today's the day you got to do it to be guaranteed delivery in time uh, for Christmas. On behalf of my mum, Mary, and myself, Nicola O'Driscoll, we would be thrilled to bits if you could give a shout-out to my brother, Niall O'Driscoll, in Perth. He works really, really hard around the clock in the mines. He's out in the middle of nowhere working. He doesn't even socialise over there. It's just work, 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 and then back to Perth. Uh, he goes out there for at least three weeks to the mines and doesn't mind one bit that he's up at four in the morning in the gym for 6am and to work for 830 in the mines. He misses us all, especially our mum Mary and myself, Nicola, especially since our sister Maria came home for good to Ireland in June after 12 years away. He phones us every single day and he's so good for sending us things for our birthdays and for Christmas. I was 40 on Friday, the 2nd of December. He couldn't make it, but he would love to have been there and he said he was thinking of me on my special day. He gave me an Armani watch from Keynes. An Armani watch from Keith. He's making serious dosh in the mind, so he is. And he also sent me money for Christmas. He got some nice things too for Mum. He loves chocolates and crisps and takeaways and Irish food. And minerals, but he especially loves galaxy bars and monster munch crisps and potatoes. He misses his Chinese curries, but he loves McDonald's curry sauce. We'd really love if you won one of your hampers, it would mean the world to us. And that's from Nicola, who wanted a shout out for her brother Niall working in the mines. It is hard work, the pay is fantastic, it's hard to spend it. Uh, but of course it is hard work now ashling says to me i would love if you give a shout out to my husband david for one of your hampers perhaps we we're both from cork originally but now we're living in a small town in france near toulouse and bordeaux we've lived here for 7 years and we haven't made it home for the last 5 christmases we nearly made it last year But the Irish passport office put a stop to that when my daughter's passport never arrived on time. We can't return this year because of work commitments, but we miss Cork so much. Where we live is beautiful, but it will never be home, especially at this time of the year. I know my husband would love some reminders of Ireland and would greatly need, seriously need, a packet of Tato Crisps. Thanks, Neil, for keeping us informed about everything that happens at home through the show. We listen every morning. We stay connected from Ashling. And just a fast one then for a- a- Adrienne Zuccati, who left Ireland for Canada in the 1980s at the age of 18. I can still see her waving goodbye for what was supposed to be one year. 40 years later, she's still in Canada and probably will be for the rest of her life. She's made a life for herself as a lovely husband and four fine sons. But she misses the sea Potato and black pudding the most. She rarely gets home due to financial constraints. So a big shout out would make the world of a difference. Uh, And indeed, perhaps a paddy box hamper if possible. Fingers crossed. She'd be thrilled. P.S. I lived in Canada too. But I'm far away from my sister here. Sorry, I live in Canada too, says Sharon. But I'm far away from my sister. We are the length of Ireland from her province to mine. So Sharon and Adrian, who are out in Canada, happy Christmas to you and to all of your families. We'll do some more shout-outs throughout the morning, get some more on the air, all that and lots more besides. But can I just go back to a topic that I dealt with at the back end of last week? It actually was an email from a woman who says that she was worried and was looking for help or advice because... because... Because she says, I have a query. Uh, And I know uh, if you can't get me the answer, no one can. My husband left me a couple of months ago. No warning, just said he doesn't love me anymore and left. I'm devastated, as you can well imagine. We had been together for such a long time. I've been trying to find a support group for separated people like myself, but I am drawing an absolute blank. I feel that speaking with others in the same situation might help. Uh, I'm trying to be upbeat for the children, particularly with Christmas. But at night, I just can't stop the tears. Perhaps people listening to you, we actually share this online as well incidentally, might know of a group that I could attend in the city or suburbs. I would be so grateful. And we asked could anybody help in that regard? And many people got back in touch. Now um, that was a tragic thing, a really devastating thing to happen completely out of the blue. He says, I don't love you anymore and just walked out the door. And of course this will be the first Christmas and you're trying your best to put on as brave a face as possible. But we got in touch with Marie Maria Pentec O'Donovan, who's a family law solicitor down in Skib, she joins me by phone and may well be able to help. Maria, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, what does that um, ring typical for you? An email like that? Have you come across cases just like that? Husband says, "Don't love you anymore." Goodbye.
8: It's it's very common. I mean, there's a there's so many different reasons for relationship breakdown, Neil, but. Some one of the per, one of the people in the relationship just falling out of love. It happens, and it's really sad, but it, it's not uncommon.
1: But isn't that the time really that people should try and work it out? Because if they were in love once, they could get back to it. No, with a little bit of help and intervention, perhaps.
8: Absolutely, and and that would um, <clears throat> excuse me. That would always be the first port of call, um, and my first suggestion for anybody. <clears throat> looking for help is to see is it is it really over, is it really done, is there is there any more that you can do to make it work?
1: Or relight the spark as the fella says, yeah.
8: Yeah, and, and sadly it's it's just a fact. Relationships do break down and, and they end for all sorts of reasons.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you do you work on family law cases where people want to separate and go through divorce, but really don't need to go through the grief of court, is it?
8: Yes, there's there's many different ways. Court is really the last option for me, for, for any of my clients. Um, it, it is sometimes necessary, but it's it's not the only option. There's lots of different ways. There's there's um I mean I mean a lot of people would come to me and say, I've actually got an agreement. We're we're separated. Usually those people are separated a few years and um, they'll say we, we we're we're done and we've actually agreed what we want to happen in our divorce or separation. And can you
1: help? And would that be a, would quite, that be the vast majority? Yeah. Or can only are only some of them contentious then?
8: Um, I <laughs> I don't know what the percentage is, but I I suppose I would say unfortunately more are contentious than not. Um, there are cases who that, that come along and they they've got an agreement done between themselves, and I just have to help them with the paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, most of the time to be fair people don't know what to do or where to start and I suppose that's why I was I'm actually full of admiration for the lady who emailed you because one of the the best things that anybody can do is actually ask for help
1: Yeah she's looking for she's looking for help support um, and a bit of companionship from other people going through this shock that she is going through is there help?
8: There is So, and that's exactly why I, I set up a separate business to my legal practice um, which is a, it's a coaching business and it's called Elevation um, and that's in in that group I specifically help separated moms for the time being um, and it, it's a community it's it's other people who are going through or have gone through exactly the same stuff that your listener and has what are the issues
1: to. what are the issues then
8: Communication is the number one issue that I see as being a block to a, a more amicable separation. People, we don't know, we don't know how to do this, Neil. It's like when you get in your car and you go on a journey. You either know where you're going and off you go, or you don't, and you put in your sat nav and you plug it in, and that tells you where to go. Yeah. Um, it's like that in separation. Um, you either you either can have a good communication with your ex partner and you can sit down and work it out, or you have no idea where to start and. In those cases, it's absolutely the right thing to do to ask for help.
1: Is she looking for help in, do you think, because it's not 100% clear, she talks about being devastated, um, you know, trying to be upbeat for the children, but at night I can't stop the tears. Uh, A group that she could attend in the city, um, just just to not feel as if she's going through this as the only person on the planet, is it?
9: That's
8: it, and that's one of the biggest things that um, the the women who who join my group get. They get this amazing community of other women in the same situation, so you don't feel like you're doing it alone. Um, separation is something that hopefully you don't do very often. So we, we don't have all of the skills and tools. Um, we don't know how to deal with all those really tough emotions, um, like the hurt and the you know sometimes there's betrayal or all of those things that can get in the way of us actually just getting on with our day-to-day yeah, lives
1: yeah, and, and yeah. looking after the case. And, and I but she's also looking down the road a little bit. If this is, if this is an irreversible, um, you know, he's left uh, and doesn't want to come back, what will happen next then is perhaps a letter talking about the divorce, talking about the division of assets, talking about access rights to children, is it? All those daunting yeah. things
8: yes all of those big things and, and that's it the daunting is right Neil like it's often what I find um, with with my clients for, for the legal business or, or, or coaching it's the fear of the unknown nobody you don't know what's coming down the track and you don't know what it's going to look like and you don't know what your life is going to look like 6 or 12 months from now Um, in, in terms of the day to day who's going to have the kids yeah. it's all of those things and it's scary
1: so does the elevation group meet then where women
8: come together. So we're an online, it's an online group, so it doesn't, it, it, you can be wherever you're most comfortable. Um, and we meet once a week um, online and there's more support then. There's this private Facebook group where you can pop in and have a rant or have a chat or a check-in. Um, I'm in there every day. And just, yeah, the the the, the coaching every hour, uh, for an hour every week is
10: Just
1: priceless. And tell me this now, after having gone through COVID, where people made an awful lot of different life changes, uh, have you noticed that more people now are deciding that marriage is no longer for them? They've been unhappy in a marriage for a long, long time. And having gone through two years of, you know, all of the issues regarding COVID and, you know, restrictions, that they want a better life?
8: Yeah, and it's, it's um, COVID certainly exposed, I think, a lot of, if there were any cracks in a relationship, I think COVID exposed a lot of those because people were having to spend 24-7 together. That's what I mean.
1: You're putting it better than me. Yeah. You've noticed that then.
8: Yeah, oh, definitely. People had an escape before where they could, you know, they probably weren't telling themselves they were unhappy, but yeah. they... You know, it, the COVID definitely exposed that.
1: Yeah, and and I believe as well. Although I don't have statistics to hand to back it up, that a lot of people, men and women of an older age group, decided, nah, listen, for whatever time I have left, uh, there's got to be better than this, and they've also decided to part, haven't they?
8: Yes, it, 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 it's an issue that affects any age. It it really doesn't matter, I suppose. The the bulk of um, people separating are. Typically in your in their 40s or 50s, but I, I, I'm I aware of cases where people are separating and they're in their 80s right. and even
1: 90s. 80s and 90s even, yeah. 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 Because I, I was thinking, where, where, where you'd be in a family scenario where the kids were reared and gone, and people then had decided, okay, now, now is the time just to part our ways. But the 80s and 90s, that's interesting, isn't it?
8: It is they're not they're not the norm now to be fair, um but I think it was it 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 used to be the case that people would wait until their children were grown up if they if they were going to separate, they'd wait until the kids were grown up, but I think people are realizing now that um staying together in a relationship for the sake where they say it's for the sake of the children, but where that relationship is not a healthy one, that's not good for kids either yes you yes. know the the kids are growing up. And the relation their own relationships are modeled on their parents' relationship, and if that's not a healthy one, then that's not a great thing for. Kids. Okay
1: so for her, the lady that got in touch with me looking for advice or direction, elevation can be found where on a, on a web search.
8: Uh, yes, you can look at mariapentech.com or elevation is on Facebook, Instagram all
1: the usual places. Okay. Happy Christmas to you, Maria. Thanks for taking the call. I hope that helps her. Appreciate it. Mind yourself. Take care. Pentec, thanks, uh, take care. Dot com. that's M A R I A P N T E K or elevation on Facebook. Um there were some responses actually to that email uh, and some texts and responses both to the show and indeed Uh, To our Facebook post, and I'll come back to that and lots more besides.
11: Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four,
2: Dave Max Drive. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. He said, my husband left me a couple of months ago. No
1: warning. Just said that he doesn't love me anymore. I'm devastated. As you can imagine, we've been together a long, long time. I'm up- I'm trying to be upbeat for the children, but at night I can't stop the tears. So some lovely responses to this, actually. Learn to love yourself and fall in love with you Fall in love with your kids and just fall in love what's important to you. Give yourself time, but don't blame yourself for what other people choose to do. We just have to accept what they have decided and find the courage to regrow with small steps, one step at a time, says Patrick. Catherine says, if someone can treat you that way, they don't deserve your love. You should thank your lucky stars. You will realize this in time. The Cork Marriage Counseling Service helped me through and I've never looked back. And just another one here. Don't hold the tears. Cry and cry in front of your kids too if you need to because they need to know that you're hurting that he's gone they're probably hurting too but scared to show it or to open up because you're so upbeat in front of them now, that's interesting isn't it let it all out hug your babies and that will start all of your healing journey I wish you strength, says Marie. And that's just a selection uh, to uh, 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone, get in touch, um, like somebody did, because it was referencing the A&D figures of people on trolleys yesterday at the CUH. Textress says, I was sent to the A&D on Friday by my GP. I had a 24-hour blood pressure monitor on, and the readings came back sky high. So off I went to the CUH, arriving at 1 p.m. My number was 83. There were no chairs left and the staff did put extra chairs out for people. When I was triaged, the nurse told me the GP should have treated me in the community with medication um, and that I wasn't an emergency. She said that GPs are constantly doing this. She phoned the unit where I needed to be and thankfully they saw me at half three. The number to be seen was now at 140 Hers was 83. Within an hour and a half, it had gone to 140. At this stage, the A and E was jam-packed. No chairs, people standing, people queuing. It was manic. I got sorted and was allowed to leave at 7pm and had to pass through the A and E. The queue was out the door. I saw one man standing outside with a blanket wrapped around him. The staff up there were amazing, but the total system is in failure. It is broken. Also, when I arrived, they were working on patients from 6 p.m. on Thursday evening and had notices up saying there was an 18-hour waiting time. So when she was there on Friday afternoon, they were still working on patients who had come in on Thursday evening, uh, an 18-hour waiting time. But a lot of that is significant in its own way, the different points there. Well, one of them that jumps out, GPs constantly sending people to the A&E when they don't have a need to be there and could well be treated in the community. And that is also exacerbating the problem. Text 0868104106. Back after the break.
2: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106.
1: Red FM. Anthony picks up on my chat there a couple of minutes ago about the state of the A&D. Um, he adds to that by saying it's great to see all the applauding in regards to the Lanigans ball, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael handover at the weekend when, as we described A&E uh, is in the condition that it's in our hospital and health system basic living is a serious crisis with the housing disaster the health mess homeless people at its highest and the likes of penny dinners overrun and all these TDs are just so far from a drift from it all, so, see It's very true. Um, apparently, there's some great scenes at the airport this week. Absolutely. Colm O'Sullivan's going to be up there uh, over the next few days um, catching up with people, welcoming family home for Christmas. But by all accounts, um, I've been asked to say thank you to the choir of Skull Clocker, uh Gwura National School in Caritool, and their teachers, Brida and Laura, for the beautiful singing at Cork Airport yesterday. It was such a nice welcome back home for Christmas. Uh, From Australia after four years of not being home from the O'Connor and the Fitzpatrick families who really did appreciate the gesture. Must have been a wonderful homecoming coming all the way from Australia right into Corky Airport to have a beautiful choir singing for you in the arrivals hall. Here's the dilemma that's right up there, right? Um, I mean, I actually don't know how to respond to this, but it's a quick text that came in this morning. Quick one for you. I'd like to hear your thoughts. On a dilemma that I'm in at the moment. I bought my wife an early Christmas present of a new dog. Right? Not a cheap dog. It's unfortunately now it's a dead dog. But unfortunately the dog got out of the house last week and my good friend and neighbor knocked him down. My wife is obviously very upset and I paid a thousand euro for the dog. So I'm not sure whether I should ask my neighbor to pay or whether I should ask my neighbor to contribute to the loss, as in to divvy up the cost that was spent on the dog, which was a thousand euro. i I'm a coward, right? So I'm, I'm coming to this through the eyes and the brain of a coward. I would not, um, even if it was the right thing to do, I would not have the courage to ask a neighbour to give me a thousand euro or to split the cost of the dog because the neighbour knocked the dog down. But that doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do. So I don't know, unless we did a show of hands, sorry. you guys help me out on this the neighbour knocked down the dog the dog cost a thousand euro he wants to know should the neighbour pay for the loss of the dog Um, or would there be anywhere at all that there would be an an insurance clause in your man's insurance that he would be able to claim for the dead dog off the neighbor's insurance now I mean just a yes or a no yes Seamus
7: should the neighbour pay for the dog I think Seamus is a bit tied up there. On what, on what basis? Because the neighbor knocked it down. Yeah, but the and neighbor. And you used respond a resp- when you just consequences. I to... know no two seconds. The, the,
1: the dog got out, the dog got out of the house like that's the, that's your man's fault. The, should, know, the dog shouldn't but, be on the uh, road. But like
7: if if it was me if it was me and I knocked down somebody else's dog I'd be so full of guilt. The oh, first you might I'd offer.
1: Yeah, but the, your neighbour hasn't offered and said nothing about it so your man is wondering should I push him for the dosh
7: oh well should he push him or not is a different question but should I, I think the neighbour should pay ok that's but he opinion. isn't your man is saying <laughs> no, 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 no I don't think so because like if you look at the rules of the road and if you're driving you're told if there's a, an animal in front of the car you, you just keep driving you, that's, you don't stop uh, that's an urban myth that's an urban myth you're not, not supposed to break no, so sharply no, you that you can, cause an accident you, can, but you're not you supposed can knock down a cat and drive
1: on you can't knock down a dog and drive on well so the cat I like
7: knocked c- down there a few years ago is fine but not it, a dog
1: no it's against the law to drive off on an, an injured or a dead dog yeah, yeah. you can't
7: just plough sure, through how any I animal you like know, <laughs> seconds. How, how come a
12: cat what has your dog's less a dog your in right
1: car a nutter on the road <laughs> How come a cat has less rights than a dog? It's just the way it is. I'm open to correction on That's this. That's
7: dogs are a man's best friend.
1: I think That's it's rough. the case. Should he or should he not, lads? I, I, I think, I think he's,
7: they're friends. They say they're friends. I, I reckon if he, if he approached it with tact and he said, look, my girlfriend's absolutely devastated. I can't, you know, I don't know, is he in a position to afford it or not? But just to say, look, is there something, like, can we come to... I couldn't no. do
1: it. I just wouldn't have the... Really? I wouldn't have the Courage to do that. Uh, I think arrive
7: at a box of sweets and say, Look, no hard feelings about the dog, but would you mind paying the (laughs) thousand? Let's
1: see what people think. I don't think, I mean, I think actually that the neighbour could probably sue him for post traumatic stress. (laughs) I know, seriously, in the world we live in, or
7: damage to the car. Damage to the car.
1: Yeah, although it sounds like a designer dog, one of those tiny little ones, you know, oh, the ones? handbag
7: ones, yeah,
1: tiny yeah. little thing. Oh, I know going to I,
7: I don't think I'll ever get the mental image of Seamus just plowing over any animal he sees within. If your dog's <laughs> locked up
1: in the estates in East Cork, <laughs> your man is on the loose. Anyway, let you guys solve that one for me. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Should he ask the neighbour to divvy up the one thousand euro? And if you think I'm on a roll with regards to dilemmas or questions, perhaps I am. If they seem to come in threes, bit like buses, I have a third one which I hope to get to a little later on this morning uh, and it's to do with what should you give, because this is the time when people are giving it, what do you give teachers as a Christmas gift is it a candle, is it a voucher, I'm, I'm leaning towards cash though, I think that would seem to be the number one, maybe cash or a voucher, so I'll come to that a little later on, but I did receive um, um, a heartfelt text from Joanna uh, this morning, this side of Christmas time, she joins me by phone, Joanna good morning Good morning Nick you're in, a, you're in a very tough place, aren't you? You're 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 homeless and you're looking to get your hair done and a bit of new yeah. clothes for Christmas, is it? Yeah. Okay. And how much can you tell me of, of you know, yeah. your life and what you're going through? Um what yeah. um, my children,
9: my grandchildren are
4: coming into very and my husband died three years ago. Um a hard track, track since in Glenville. Here I'm going to Cork. and um, I usually have everything ready on Christmas time, presents and everything that. And uh, this year I don't. Um yeah, I'm homeless. Um it was a month ago since I had a shower, got my hair done. Um yeah, find so you know, sleeping on a couch, sleeping on these trees. Yeah. Uh, nothing whatsoever for my children. I'm at my church oh, and I you that name
1: um, and will you be I'm visiting them at christmas
4: uh, i, I I'd, I'd be ashamed like but go down and yeah, I will be visiting them um at Christmas, but uh, not not before Christmas will be kind of January,
1: yes, yes, so, you, so is it that yeah. you want to look your best, is it yeah 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 i do um where where are you sleep like- where are you sleeping these days? And
4: um, you know, out the lock it could be to Shirley's Park, it could be just, you know, among the things. I'm afraid, you know. Um, yeah, I just walked around right here and um I'm shaking up like I I kinda of got a hit coach sleeping on the street, you know, my first time ever sleeping on the street. How
1: did that happen yeah. though? How did you end up on the street?
4: Um um I was going out with a guy and, you know, we finished finished up but uh yeah, so I went to the APS then and the APS said because I have children and grandchildren down in Tipperary they want me to move from Cork to go down to... They want
1: you to, to go to Tipperary, th- yeah?
4: Could you not go? Yeah.
1: Could you not go to family and tell them that you're struggling?
4: No, I... Was, no, you're ashamed, I is it? I was, I was, I it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Would they be would. very worried if they knew that you were living in these kind of conditions? Yeah,
4: they, yeah well, I don't, I wouldn't...
1: They'd want to I help, help you, Joanna. They'd, re- they'd want to help you.
4: Yeah, no, no. I wouldn't, I just wanted to get my... You know, I me mean, I want to do my best to so I know you, and you want to look your best. And
1: there's, no, and there's no and there's no problem to to No, I know there's I know you want to look your best for when you go and visit them and there's no problem helping to get that done for you. But after you finish Christmas and you've come back to Cork, nothing will have changed, you know? Yeah, I know
4: I know that, but um, even my like kids you know, even I'll like find out somewhere I can stay in the then, you know. Yeah, I just want to yeah, I just want to because I know you from Cork and the APS wants me to go down They to,
1: want you to go to where your family are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. your husband died tragically in a, in a tractor accident?
4: He did. I, I just, he did. I heard it on the radio here in Cork, of your radio, radio station, actually. And um, he died in Glenville here in Cork, yes. Uh, he, was, he was 51 years of age. And it was a horror tractor accident that he died in. Yeah, a yeah. tractor went up in air, and he was dead for hit ground. Oh, dear. 51 years of age.
1: Yeah, and then inflation, my my granddaughter died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And did you like? Oh, you, yeah, but did you lose? Did you lose the house then, or what? What was the story? Yes.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Them, yeah. That's the house. Everything. And can you? Can you? Uh, do you stay in Simon, or or do you stay in Edel House, no. or anything like that? No. 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 Edel House.
4: Yeah, yes, because. Um, I have you killed know, my children. like There's 10 in one house. Oh, on I know. I
1: know. I know what they want you to do. I understand. But yeah. is there any option to sleeping in Fitzgerald's Park or out around the lock or down laneways? Mm, no. Um, think,
4: like, I am just a tank. Even I've done the phone to my Bibari TD and he's, he's just trying to fight my case.
1: But you see, it's very dangerous, no. though. Uh, it is. Are you under yes. threat on the streets?
4: Um, No, no. just said I, I don't like. And um, just keep just keep waiting, telling because you know town is dangerous. I was very dangerous, so I got up early own and walked town by day and just called in friends, mine name.
1: Yeah. You slip away to somewhere isolated and quiet to sleep, do yeah. you? Yeah. But what about yeah. the very cold weather we had recently?
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's too raise for us.
1: What yeah. about food?
4: Yeah, I haven't eaten properly in in three weeks. Okay. Yeah, no. I haven't had a hot meal. I mean.
1: What do you what do you do for money?
4: Um well like I I, I get paid. When I get paid then yeah. I, get, I get my stuff all the last like it's just hot meals I don't get. Yeah. So what do you when eat? I guess, typically? I in, I in, sorry?
1: What do you eat typically each day?
4: I go into a restaurant like in like, a country. or to each day, um, like a barely even if I even in it anything like I can't eat. I
1: want too much stress Yeah, I know It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a tragic situation yeah. You find yourself in But unless something mm-hmm. is done You'll be in the same situation After you visit the family In January, you know? Yes, yeah. I
4: know
1: Yeah I think you need to tell your it's family fast, yes. I think you need to tell them I really do I think you need to use The opportunity when you visit To say that you're, you need help
4: yeah, well, it um, um, was one of my, just a joke, but one of my sisters and I said to my, my daughter yeah. and I just said, No, like, I, like my, you know, I, just, like, I don't want to sit up because she's like got to crying on the phone, you
1: know? Yeah, so they'd be upset exactly. and they'd want to help.
4: Yeah, especially just that when you get to your, you know, and they're upset. Yeah. They'll want to help. They'll
1: want to help. Yeah. Would but you say it to them when you go up to them?
4: I don't know, I need I want, I want. I'm
1: you won't break you their know. hearts. So you won't. They, they, you yeah. won't. They, they'll want to help. There's lots of them there. If they know that your, that their mother is homeless, that will break their heart and they'll want to help.
4: Yeah, but they're, they're just going say, like, people talk, like, you know, like, the APS are asking me, like, you know, to go down to the project like, in one house alone, I've changed.
1: 10, I've, oh I know. You know. I
4: know. I know. I know. You don't want
1: to be a burden, I know. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know. yeah. I know. So I just, so, so yeah. okay. Well listen, okay. Whatever you whatever you plan to do, you know best yourself. But yeah. would 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 you, would you feel an awful lot better visiting them if your hair was done and you had new clothes on?
4: Yeah, I wrote an I wrote fresh up because it's in my, I'm, 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 I didn't have a shower. I didn't eat. I mean, if I had a stone away, I'd say.
1: Five and a half stone? Mm. Yeah. It's a shocking predicament to find an Irish person in any person in a Christmas yeah. time. Turn being turned away like that. Not being given emergency accommodation. Nobody offered you a bed and breakfast or a hotel room or anything?
4: No, um, when well, I was down in and right? like, I went back into the APS and they wanted me to still go on to the prairie to my children eventually. I said to them that I have 20 grandchildren. I have one daughter, a husband, and seven in the house. Yeah,
9: I know. So There's
4: 11 know. in another house. Yeah. You
9: know, I know.
1: Like
4: I know. my daughter's. Not I
1: know, I know. I won't, I won't dwell on the details yeah. of their family life, if you don't mind. But you're just thinking yeah. that you'll be overcrowded as it is and you don't want to be a burden. Um, yeah. uh, I'm happy to put in a call on your behalf. Absolutely. That's what we're here to do. Uh, but to sort out your, what you asked me for as a text, you says, please, can you help me? Uh, I'm homeless, but I want my hair done and a few clothes for Christmas um, because the family are up in Tipperary and you want to look your best. Uh, so uh, that's easy to help you with because I got Sarah here from Fusion Hair Design. Sarah, good morning.
8: Morning, Neil. How are
3: you?
1: As the saddest of the sad misfortune.
8: Oh,
1: my heart is breaking for that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it is. Can you hear me all right, Sarah?
8: broken for because I can only imagine, like you know, every person loves their mother. So I can only imagine how you know. Like I, my is broke over, yeah. absolutely broke yeah. over yeah. her. Absolute broke over
1: her. Yeah. Can you do so hair? Love- can you do hair and nails and and? Uh, and-
8: I know. Good now at the hair and makeup with the girls and the nails with the girls in the salon there. Um. And we would love to have her up to get her hair done, her nails done, everything done. Um. Above in the salon, the girls who look after her absolutely free of
4: charge.
1: You're so so kind. Where are you based, Fusion?
4: Um. Fusion here
1: on Shandon Street. Uh, Shandon Street, Joanna. You must. You must know Shandon Street, do you? Do. Yeah, Joanna, I should say, Joanna.
4: Yeah. Mess- mess- and no, just let the ladies know her business no one no any difference. She'll be a normal walking in
8: the door. Um, but if she just wants to make contact with the salon or if you want to send me her number, my sister can get in contact with
4: her.
1: You're so kind, sir, because I know that this so time sure. of the year is mad busy for salons like yours. So thank oh, you for reaching out like this.
4: Um, I'm sure I'm sure they'll get her thoughts, so there'll be no problem.
1: Okay, okay. Listen, um, Joanna, I'm going to give you yeah. Sarah's thank mobile you. number, all right? Yeah, thank you very much Nick. Ah, you're welcome girl I hope that yeah, the new year is better for you and something works out for you Joanna I really am and, and I'll tell you something I, I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't get somebody with a little shop or a fashion shop or somebody in the clothes business that would be interested in giving you some new clobber for Christmas alright
4: thank
1: you very much Nick. okay okay so when that comes in I'll get back to you a little later on with it okay Thank you very much. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Have your number now. We'll call you at 12 o'clock and see how you're getting on, and see if there's any further help we can give you. All right.
4: Kenny,
1: thank you very much. All right, thank Joanna. You. Take care for now. Sarah, thank you so much. Happy Christmas no to you all at Fusion. My You're very sister. kind. Thanks Take care. Text 868 104 What do you think of that?
2: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 818 106 Cork's
1: Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Text 868 Your thoughts and comments and opinions are always welcome. You know, we talk about family dynamics, whether it was Joanna who is homeless and wants to visit but wants to look her best when she goes to see her children and grandchildren. It's understandable that she would want to be look her best, the family dynamic there. Um, also, we had earlier the conversation of the woman whose husband literally just walked out the door one day recently and said, I don't love you anymore, and was gone. And it reminded me, actually, of a conversation I had recently with David. You talk about family dynamics. Could you imagine the family dynamic on a farm where there is more than one son? I mean, it's a fascinating story. Um, I got in touch with him on the subject of, you know, family and a farming background. Now, he, do, he no longer lives in, in County Cork. He actually lives in Malaysia, and he's he settled down and has a wife and children himself. But he, he had written about his experience, you know, in his own home. And all of this was traced back to issues around land and farming. And he actually published his experience in an essay called Family Farm Survivor. That's where we saw the story and were fascinated by it. And I caught up with him by phone uh, to Malaysia. There was there was a time difference. So uh, I did a pre-record with him um, and he just spoke through very honestly and at times quite shockingly about the story of his earlier life. Just talk us through as as the third son or the third wheel. That meant you never were going to get the farmer indeed you never wanted it is that right
13: yeah that's exactly right um i didn't didn't have any interest and also um my dad when i came along i think he was fine with with two boys he could square that in his head but when the third came along it was just like oh no this is this is terrible this is ruins all everything all his plans for the farm were sort of thrown into disarray and He couldn't quite bring himself to accept me. So, um, yeah, his reaction was to just uh, uh, reject um, my existence or reject me and just encourage the others to reject me in any way they could. And, yeah, it just went on and on like that uh, throughout my childhood. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. You You said in your writing that the natural order meant that the chosen successor was already pre-chosen it wasn't you, you became the third wheel, uh, and it became a point of deep and bitter contention even between your parents, not to mind your relationship with your father isn't that right
13: yeah I think when my mother announced that sh- she was going to have me, I think there was some major major arguments there and maybe ultimatums given you know they speculate about that, but um I, I don't know I think they eventually agreed like she could proceed with the pregnancy, but only if I was born a girl. And of course, the contrarian that I am, I had to ruin that plan <laughs> and be born a boy. And uh, that's where all the trouble started. Um, you still
1: have a sense of humor. Yeah, like, you sense sense of humor at least. How did your father treat you from a very young, young age?
13: You're a bit of a second-class citizen. You can feel it. Like it's it's hard now to like how to get into specifics. It's it's a sort of a feeling of being very unwelcome and felt more through my siblings they would sort of he would i think talk to them about it more than to me and then they would sort of bully me or um just yeah make it clear just i wasn't really wanted or welcome or it's more a pattern of behavior an ongoing pattern that goes on over years that got gradually worse yeah
1: i think i think there was there was a very very important stage in your life that involved your education where even that wasn't worth in his eyes pursuing is that right
13: it was never i was never encouraged to school no interest was taken in my academic performance it was i don't know uh some place to put me for a while and so when i got to my mid-teens He decided just completely off his own bat without any consultation that, okay, it's time for me to drop out of school now and just come on back in the farm and work for him, even though I had no interest in that. So what was going on with the
1: rest of the dynamic in the family? Or or can you discuss that? I mean, you had you had siblings and you certainly had a, a mother. What was her role in all of this?
13: Well, she suffered herself from my my dad's ill treatment. Um, she suffered with depression and, uh, tried to take her own life a few times, but, uh, it's just, uh, horrible, horrible to her and did not take any interest in her. And she was already vulnerable and just putting up with him just took a lot out of her or took a big toll on her. So she didn't, she couldn't really be there for me. She lived in fear
1: of him, I believe. Wasn't that the case? Yeah because you did turn to her eventually didn't you and and tried to share how you were feeling about everything and she was in no position to help you she I think without putting words in your mouth told you don't you think it would be best if you just left wasn't
13: it yeah at that point then yeah the abuse was ramping up it had gone from hostile to more abusive um, from my brother and he was making it clear I was no longer welcome in the house or in the family it was time for me to go and yeah so I was trying to First time, like reaching out to my mom and trying to explain to her that yeah, I'm, this was really getting to me, the abuse, and I needed her help or her support. But my dad had got there first yeah. and warned her, you know, yeah. yeah. don't do not say anything to support him. So yeah,
1: and God knows, unfortunately, we had scenarios in Ireland, certainly in the recent past, where you know, and a couple of the of, of the incidents did involve um, the family and the right of inheritance and, you know, of familicide on Irish farms and uh, murder-suicide packs. It's, it's been awful. Um, but y- you, at one stage, did um, decide that there was a way out of all of this. And I don't mean to be too blunt about this, but you bought a shotgun. Is that right? Yeah. Uh,
13: as I say in the, in, the, in the story, I acquired a shotgun.
1: Because your thoughts had Um, turned so dark and murderous, your words.
13: Yeah, it was an intense feeling of of anger towards my brother because he was causing me so much pain. But it was really just anger at my dad. But I couldn't, I wasn't ready to face that yet. So, um, yeah, somehow I got the idea into my head that I could get a gun and I could rob a bank. And because I, I just felt that the way things were going in my family, you know, the pressure was building up unbearably and there was going to be something bad, something terrible was going to happen. Like there was going to be a terrible act of violence or some, an explosion of violence between me and my brother and something awful was going to happen. So I I, I felt I, I couldn't leave, but I had to come up with a, a some sort of solution to get get out of that that situation and the best I could do at the time um, was this crazy idea to to rob a bank. Yeah, get a gun, rob a bank and it's it's completely bananas. I was a very quiet and backward farm boy who wouldn't have have a hope in hell. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, like I could just transform into some sort of a (laughs) hardened criminal overnight but yeah yeah, um,
1: transform into a bank robber rob a bank and sail off into the sunset with the proceeds was that the plan
13: yeah because the feeling of betrayal from my family was just so painful and I just could not get over it and I felt like just walking away with nothing was just this I couldn't deal with it Um, yeah Yeah. I am just painful. Um, so you would solve yeah, your problem, like-
1: and also by doing what you were planning to do, solve their problem as well. You'd be out of their way; they'd be independent of you, and, yeah. and, and vice versa. And no, I understand. Just as a, just as a, by the way, is it reasonably easy for somebody on a farm to buy or
13: acquire a shotgun? On our farm, there's a lot of friendly neighbors who are willing to loan guns, and I'm dead against it especially on farms i would implore anybody listening you know if you know a farmer please don't do that i don't know what kind of disagreement my dad had with the the local guard sergeant but we never got a gun license um didn't want us to have one so we never had a gun but there was always the same there was always borrowed guns like shotguns or rifles that were sort of Lying around, sometimes loaded, sometimes not, unsecured. Um, God almighty. So, yeah, I think I'd have to say it's far too easy to get a gun in, if you live on a farm in many ways.
1: In, in, in any time during your irrational behavior and the acquiring of a shotgun, did it ever cross your mind that you were going to use it on other people? And I'm specifically talking about, did you ever have d- dark t- thoughts about your family and the gun? <sighs>
13: No, I, that that wasn't okay. Why? Why I got it? Uh, I really wanted to. I felt I feared an outbreak of violence in my family, and, and then I thought like that would be the end of our family, and certainly my place. Even if it didn't end in any fatalities, but
2: it wouldn't and be at your hands.
13: That's what I was super yeah. afraid of, yeah. and so this was sort of my alternative to that. Okay, okay. Uh, but no, I wouldn't have. Yeah.
1: But you never know when there's a shotgun in the house and tempers are afraid and yeah. there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah. And, you know, you don't know what could happen in a right. split second, right?
13: Yes, yeah, it is dangerous just by having it in your possession. And who's to say if my brother had attacked me and I would just have been, you know, completely shocked and devastated. Who knows where my mind Correct. I would have went. I know
1: thankfully none of that happened because people were regularly searching your room anyway behind your back that was another that was another type of the torture and the intimidation and the you know the horrid behaviour you had to put up with and they found the gun didn't they?
13: Yes they found it it um, was in an outhouse yeah in the in the courtyard next to the to the, to the farmhouse um, so yeah from time to time I, w- I would take it out to sort of examine it or sort of, sort of Get used to using it or holding it. And one day, yes, another family member had been, I don't know, maybe they, they picked up I was acting a bit strangely or something. And they were like, okay, keep, keep an eye on him, see, see where he goes. And yeah, they, I was out around the back of the outhouses and, uh, they saw me, yeah, with, with the gun that went straight back to my dad. And,
1: uh, how did he react?
13: Okay, so at first, he probably had a shock or, you know, just couldn't, like, what? A gun? So, like, is that a joke or something? Or What's going on? That was completely outside of his expectations or experience. i have never done anything like that, and so he searched Yao's house near where I was seen with it, and he discovered it, and realized, oh my god, like, this is a, it's a real gun, and yeah, it's very serious. So he had to confront me about it and say, what the hell, why do you have this, what's going on? And so, yes, I was at that point forced to reluctantly tell him of my plans for it. And he was (laughs) pretty shocked.
1: But did you get a chance at that same time to tell him more than your plans about how you felt, about how awful your life had been and his treatment of you and the other's treatment of you for so many years? Did you tell him all that
13: then? No, I'm... What I said then was like, yeah, he was like, why, why did you do it? And... Because I said, uh, you know, I got it from my brother that if I was going to get kicked out, or... And... Yeah. Uh, But no, I couldn't. At that time, I was very much ashamed and couldn't get into all the reasons. That was not the time to start. (laughs) start So what was... Criticizing him or...
1: Yeah, so what what happened after that episode? You said uh, in your piece um, that the Relentless Hate campaign came to an end and everything went quiet.
13: Because of the seriousness of the incident... They realize oh my god like well I don't know we've gone too far or maybe yeah maybe they had a moment of clarity or a moment or like oh no this is very serious and we need to stop and reassess and so yeah they were just afraid at that time and very worried about consequences so um the the aggressiveness of the the hate campaign did, did stop at mm. that point. It didn't completely stop, you know, it, it still carried on, but in a much quieter way.
1: <clears throat> but it was... So yeah, the, uh, how, how soon after did you leave? Because you left first, then others left. Um, so he ultimately got what he wanted, wasn't, didn't he? He, he got rid of you. How, yeah. how old were you when you eventually... Right. Firstly, how old were you? And secondly, did it take a lot of courage to go?
13: was well, actually it was about a few years after that um it was like another three years but um, at that point it was sort of like the the bond between us was sort of torn and broken it was a deep bond but that was the sort of the beginning of like okay, our family is not gonna be the same after this and but it was a long Process then of finally coming to the realization that I uh, okay I have to I have to just walk away and with nothing and from
1: then it. on no contact with any of your family you left the country you live in much warmer and sunnier climates now very far overseas and um, no contact actually and your father died isn't that right
13: yeah um, that kicked off uh, of course an inheritance battle between my three other siblings and um, so uh, God that was ironic wasn't that
1: that very ironic though Um, (laughs) the one thing that he didn't didn't want to happen happened
13: yes because in the end he still hadn't finally gotten around to making any kind of a will and that's a problem with a lot of farmers I once I saw a statistic in the Farmers Journal that 86% of Irish farmers don't make a will or a succession plan which is crazy when you think about what that could lead to but, um, yeah, so my brother at home, the one who had bullied me, he he was saying, look, this is what my dad wanted, but there was no will, in th- so it was just sort of his word.
1: I know, yeah.
13: So, yeah, yeah. so I, I wanted to, yeah, support my other two siblings against him for a while and, but, and I thought we could maybe forget about when, when dad had passed, you know, maybe we could forget about what had happened and, and be a normal family, but ultimately... It didn't work out because, yeah, I was always the scapegoat of the family and that was sort of how they saw me and they couldn't really see me any differently than that. So ultimately we had to part ways.
1: Did that ever resolve itself, incidentally?
13: Yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother at home, he got everything he wanted. Um was after my mother and she ultimately, uh, you know, sort of dependent on my brother so ultimately I think she was So went from your mother
1: to your oldest brother Yeah I know I know Is your mother still alive? Yes Yeah And no contact with your mum? No
13: No no contact anymore with with anyone Uh, Isn't
1: that sad Isn't that sad in a way that she was also such a victim but yet after I know your brother is still around but after your father's gone you couldn't reconcile with her
13: Yeah because yeah there's so much other stuff that that went on so much sort of <laughs> i mean we did forgive a lot you know i mean there's not much she could do against my dad he was a very sort of powerful dominant figure but yeah um it was sort, sort of considered in the family like when she just handed it over to my brother that was considered like sort of another betrayal and yeah yeah, yeah we, were, we were all a bit Fed up of it, then you we are like, "Oh, I'm just going to wash my hands of this because yeah, it's not good for any of us."
1: You didn't want any of it. You didn't. It's not as if you were looking for a share of the cash or a share of the inheritance. You you said early on that you had no interest in it whatsoever. You just wanted the love of your family.
13: Yeah, but after my dad died, my my two other siblings, you know, they did feel that they were they were closer with my dad than me, and they did feel in, entitled. Okay, yeah, that's to their, something. So yeah, I wanted to. S- support them yeah
1: that's their story do you think uh, that there are there are, and again quoting from your own your own prose that there are themes like yours in other irish farms and that there are toxic situations in other irish farms that we only hear of very very rarely when they bubble over lead to death or whatever is that, that a lot of people fall out over land
13: Yes, exactly. I mean, in, in every farming family, you know, one has to be chosen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's never these things. And people say, Oh, you should talk about it, but it's, it's rarely talked about. So most yeah. kids help out. It's still very much, if you grow up in a family farm, then you have to help out. So I don't know. Maybe they start to feel like, you know, we're all in this together and we're all going to be included. And then suddenly mm-hmm. after, after, 20 years or so, there's a bit of a about face and people are told, okay, yeah, uh, he's going to get everything. You guys are going to have to go. And it's a shock. The firm can be something, it it brings people together at first. You know, you all work on it and it can be a thing that bonds families. Um, But then when you get a bit older, suddenly uh, the dynamic changes and suddenly it's like, okay, okay, we're, we're not bonding over this anymore. We're yeah. going to say, yeah. you know, one person is going to get it and the rest are. A lot of families struggle with this, most of them. Um, but it, yeah, there's there's not a lot of places to, to go to. I think people see a great deal of shame, you know, when they find out that their family isn't exactly what they thought it was. Mm. It's like, mm. they, they tend not to talk about it. Um, yeah.
1: thank you thank you so much for taking yeah. the call thank you so much for staying up so late and for sharing your
13: story thank you Neil thanks for taking an interest in my story
1: take care that's great take care look after yourself okay. and your family well, all the best well, all the best
2: goodbye Text the Neil Prenderville Show now, oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six RED-FM. Fascinating conversation with David, I hope you'd agree
1: with that, with regarding the family dynamic when it came to the farm, the land, and we all know of John B. Keane's uh, um, book and indeed uh, film, The Field. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. There's a lot on issues involving separation, divorce and family dynamics this morning, I know. And we spoke there a few minutes ago about, um, you know, a woman in... Uh, County Cork. Who literally one morning, husband just decides, "Don't love you anymore," and left. Jara um, uh, Inardford says, "It's no wonder relationships break up so much. This country is nothing but a live-to-work culture based on greed, status, and acquisition. Relationships are not intimate any longer; they are transactional in nature, and people have had have not got enough time for them because they're so obsessed with work." In this insufferable rat race. It's also interesting to note that separation and not divorce is becoming extremely popular in this country. Um, also, he goes on to say something that's rather unkind, I think. The reason why blokes walk away from their wives is firstly, with age, women go off physically. And secondly, blokes come to their senses And they ask themselves the question, why did they marry in the first place? An interesting point of view. Not sure I agree with all of that. I think I agree with the part where you say, working, working, working all of the time. And that it's just about paying bills and the intimacy or the closeness or the love can suffer as a consequence of that. Um, But the other parts of it, no, I couldn't go there. But text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. A massive response by text anyway to the text from earlier on. The character who says, I bought the wife an early Christmas present of a new dog. Unfortunately, the dog got out of the house last week and my good friend and neighbor knocked him down. Now, the dog died. Uh, My wife is obviously very upset. So that's very sad. But here's the conundrum. I paid a thousand euro for the dog. So I'm not sure whether I should ask him to pay or contribute to the loss of the dog. Um, So that's interesting. You guys are answering that question very much. And I'll give you some of the texts and the results of that after 11 o'clock this morning.
6: I'm Rory
14: and I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sports every weekend on the Big Red Bench.
6: That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on
2: Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil
1: Frienderville Show Solving uh, Christmas uh, present dilemmas Everybody deserves a good book at Christmas time And there's lots But this guy will certainly know about the sports books Um, I actually got to uh, have a trip into the book station Yesterday afternoon in Douglas And had a look Because I knew I was going to be chatting with you about this Uh, But it also reminded me If people haven't read it It's still not too too late to read, say, Champagne Football Sure it's not the exposé into the FAI, John Delaney
6: No? if you want your blood pressure raised over Christmas (laughs) re-champagne football that book is infuriating just when you think it it can't get any worse it gets worse Yeah, but it has
1: to be read though by anybody that's interested in it's an
6: incredible read however it just made me angry and angry and angry
1: yeah yeah it was well well written and of course deserved all of the plaudits. So yesterday,
6: there's, there's, this, there's a spattering
1: of them there. Like, I'll just give you an idea of what I saw yesterday. Gloves Off by Tyson Fury. Uh, see, Gary Neville's got a new book out called The People's Game. Pick it up yourself anyway. What have you come across?
6: Um, just some of the books that I've read over the past year which I've really enjoyed. Um, probably the, the one I've enjoyed most was um, Scoring Goals in the Dark by Cork's Claire Shine, uh, who announced her retirement from football recently. But she's had a very well publicised um, battle with um, her demons with addiction um, and her mental health issues and the book uh, written by Gareth Marr and Claire is just a fantastic read and it gives a real insight into her psyche certainly definitely would recommend reading that one um, Why Not A Warrior by Gemma O'Connor the Cork moggy legend i have a copy of it here it's absolutely fantastic oh, right you're really honing in on the Cork ones first. Um, I feel like I'm on the late late high show here. I like this book now because the pictures were nice but no um, What A Warrior why not, why not why a, not warrior? a Warrior it's about Gemma O'Connor Cork's famous number 6 um, one of the most distinguished players to ever play the game Um, Same Finbar's legend it's a fantastic read on both her career and uh, her life story as well and it's uh, one of my favourite books of the year I cannot recommend that highly enough actually
1: Uh, Let me jump in because yesterday I saw one called Cork Hurling Game of My Life Cork's greatest hurlers remember the game that will live Mm. with them forever Uh, sounds like a great book for people who are hurling fans
6: Yeah and that's written by our good friend Dennis Hurley very very highly recommended here by uh, the Big Red Bench team it's part of a series actually Neil I've got the Cork City one here uh, which is at 30 Cork City players talking well about their games that's with John O'Shea who's a friend of ours as well and there's the Cork Ladies Football Edition as well 25 of their greatest footballers talk about the games that matter the most to them so the authors Jeremy McCarthy in this case who presents the Women's Sport Podcast on Cork's Red FM um, they sit down with um, players from their respective fields and talk to them about the game that matters most to them yeah. and then kind of they work that into the overall context of their careers and stuff like that that Game of My Life series is absolutely fantastic okay. it's well okay. worth Okay, and
1: staying on Lee Side, then, I saw another one yesterday called Lee Side Legends. This is John Collins' book, 100 of Cork's Greatest Sporting Heroes. Well, he calls 100 of Cork's Sporting Greats. <laughs>
6: yeah.
1: There's Who's so... on the front cover? Only Kino and Sonia.
6: I love it. I would have put Jimmy Barry Murphy
9: there myself. Like, oh, no, he's the man. I, he I'm wrote
6: a, the book. I'm a bars man. I'm slightly biased than <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, like the, the amount of sporting legends in Cork, you can really contain it to 101. I mean, like, there has to be a sequel there after 101, <laughs> surely. <like.
1: laughs> Moving away from GA football and hurling, the refs call. The Memoirs of a Rugby Referee Did you see that one? No It's got a preface by uh, A forward by Donald Lennon. Uh, A genuine presence on the field Of course Refs are important We saw that with the World Cup Mm. Final But it'd be good to get a perspective From the point of view of Of a rugby referee
6: yeah, it's always fascinating um, hearing Fred' the perspective of referees and how they view the game differently uh, to us as well. Uh, our friend Pat Kelly, actually the League of Ireland uh, yep. great, refereeing great, has a book out as well, and proceeds of that are going uh, to Marymount Hospice. So keep an eye out for uh, for Pat Kelly's fantastic memoir, uh, looking back on his career. He's Called It
1: Happened some, by chance. He's refereed it? some
6: fantastic. He, has. he refereed Diego Maradona.
1: That's now. right. He certainly he did. He? Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Top of the tree, without a doubt. Um, Other oh, ones again came across,
6: um, not a whole
1: lot actually. Jordan Henderson's got a book out, an autobiography. Don't Sporting autobiographies
6: are so, so dull, especially are by, they? especially by players who are currently still involved in the game because they don't want to offend anyone and it basically just amounts to I played this match and this day I didn't have a good game I played the next match the next <laughs> why they, day. Why do they write them then? Do they want to make money I suppose and the publishers think that they can make money. Um, actually on the football team one of my favourite books of the year was um, in 1999 Manchester United The Treble and all that that was by Matt Dickinson of the Times it was about Manchester United's incredible treble and that famous, famous victory over Bayern Munich and Barcelona in 1999 it's an incredible
1: read okay so you'd rule out the Michael Richards book then called The Game would
6: you? yeah sure, Michael Richards He, yeah well he, I suppose he's out of The Game so I haven't actually read Michael Richards yeah one, Gary Neville game. how about that uh, he's yeah. outspoken isn't he would, probably something yeah, to say wouldn't really interest me massively one one I can um, recommend to avoid completely is Martin <laughs> O'Neill's book <laughs> I, was, on, I have, have a like photograph of it here it is so dull and, and it, it, like it, it's, it's a bit partridge-esque in that most of the stories end up with Neil to say oh, I had the laugh like, last laugh. And he's quite bitter about how he's perceived following his, his, his stint with Ireland and basically everyone else was wrong and he was right kind of thing. Um, yeah, it didn't really sit right with me and he wrote it all himself, probably could have um, been helped with the addition of a ghostwriter to spruce it up a bit but yeah, avoid that one.
1: Lad. Comes down then for Martin O'Neill's book on days like these. There is one other one actually that John Scally wrote it's called 100 Great GAA Controversies. Do you see that one? No, I haven't read that one yet. I'm on, I'd say there'd be a fair few Stories in that, wouldn't
6: there? There's certainly well, there's certainly plenty of GA controversies. Certainly, plenty on Lee's side as well. So, I can imagine that's a fairly thick and meaty book
1: now Kelly also has a book with Roddy Doyle mm. um, Kelly Harrington so what about that one
6: massive fan of Kelly Harrington I've read this book and because uh, Roddy Doyle has a uh, it there's a lovely flow to the prose all the way through it Kelly Harrington has had such an amazing career and is such a wonderful person we've interviewed her on the bench a couple of times we had her on uh, during the summer as well and hasn't changed a bit despite all her success it's still the same Kelly Harrington all the way through it, which is remarkable and her book is certainly well worth reading ok
1: so there is a few good Irish ones but certainly a fine selection of cork books available
6: it's all about the cork books yeah and as I said of those Gemma O'Connor's Why Not a Warrior um, it's written by Sinead Farrell of the 42 as well uh, if, probably my pick along with um, the um, Scoring Goals in the Dark by Claire Shine they're my okay. two favourite books of okay. good man fair play what's the best sporting book you ever read um, hard question it's certainly a very hard question um, I like there was a book called Kaiser it was about um, a Brazilian footballer who never actually played because he was a bit of a con man he went all the way around the world basically basically conning teams into signing him. Uh, you should check that one. Out. I can't remember who wrote it but um, I've actually only read it recently. you think I'd be able to remember it. Kaiser? I, no, you got Kaiser the is a fantastic, fantastic book and I'd certainly recommend it. Sounds like a that. thriller. It's basically, you know, it's one of those books you're reading and you're thinking this could be a movie. This should be a movie.
1: <laughs> Good man. Listen, if I don't see you this side of Christmas time, thank you for all of that. Thank Happy Christmas, Happy Christmas Rory. The champagne voice himself, doesn't he? Nat King Cole in the Christmas song. The countdown continues to Christmas Day and they was telling you earlier on this morning they did a survey of 2,000 adults. They were asking them to dish the dirt on Christmas disasters and we had undercooked roast potatoes, not crispy enough, lumpy gravy, running out of wrapping paper, um, 2000 of them answered questions on this, finding the festive season and all the things that could go wrong centered primarily around food. Soggy vegetables at the top of the list, undercooked greens. Um, I actually prefer to have them undercooked than overcooked, wouldn't you? But apparently, one of the big top mistakes, never mind your, um, you know, roast potatoes that aren't crispy enough, but what about burnt turkey or forgetting to defrost a dessert? are presents going missing, are not arriving on time for buying them online. The date passed and you didn't get them for Christmas Day. Catastrophes, though, like these, are looked back on over the years fondly. And people love hearing and retelling these stories about people's mishaps. I remember doing that on air last year, actually. I think we had a prize tied into it with regards to uh, people sharing their stories of Christmas Day disasters. But um, uh, I like the one about the burnt turkey because at least we can solve that. And I have solved it now uh, for Lana O'Connor. I brought her in her pop-up turkey um, little... um, um, it's, It's like a tiny thermometer. It's just a little widget and you stick it into the breast of the turkey and... Into the oven it goes. Just keep an eye on it for an hour or two. But after maybe an hour and a half or two hours, just keep a closer eye on it. Because when this little turkey pop-up pops up, the little widget pops up, it means that the turkey is now cooked. I think it needs to reach, I think, 70 degrees Celsius, I think, you have to be very careful with poultry, not so careful with meat or beef or whatever, but certainly with poultry. Pops up uh, and it means that the turkey is cooked. So her Christmas Day dilemma will not include an overcooked or an undercooked turkey, for I've provided her with the pop-up widget and you can get them, of course, um, on uh, Mailer Street and just check it out yourself and pop in uh, to the DIY store that stocks them. And uh, I'll give you more details about that between now and midday today. Anyway, lines open, text 0868104106. Back to um, the dilemma that we had earlier on this morning. The dog got knocked down. It was a thousand euro. It was a Christmas present for the wife. Um, she's very upset. He gave her the Christmas present early, as in the dog. Dog got out of the house, got knocked down, wants to know, should he ask the neighbour who knocked the dog down and killed it to pay the 1,000 euro, or at least to contribute to at least some of the cost. And you guys have been texting back big time on that cause as well, actually. Declan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are Um, you? Just on that question, and then others were asking, because we were chatting here, um, who's responsible, and do you have to report if you knock down a dog? Pick up on that first, anyway.
15: Yeah, my understanding of the law, Neil, is that if you knock a dog down, um, let's say accidentally or whatever, and if the owner is there, or let's say you know where the owner lives, as long as you either bring the dog or report it out to the owner, then you don't have to report it to the guardian. However, if you knock the animal down and the owner isn't there or you can't identify the owner, then I think you are obliged to report uh, the incident to the guards. And that's, that's
1: my understanding of it, but it's only for a dog, not a cat or anything like that?
15: Well, that I don't know, Neil, whether it's an animal or whether it's only a dog, um, Maybe there's a kind of a, an expectation that the dog is a bigger animal and, you know, um, maybe is more a home-owned dog rather than cats who are relatively <laughs> independently owned, let's say. All
1: right. Um, All right. I'm not sure whether it's one or the other. And what about but this okay. dilemma now? Should he but ask Who's Yeah.
15: Yeah, sorry, Neil. Um, just to give you another side of the picture, Neil, we'll, no, we're dog lovers and we have actually a dog and had a dog most of our, our lives, really. Um, we had an unfortunate accident with a dog on a country road about six months ago. And unfortunately, the dog died, but the owner was close by, and we knew the house that the owner lived in. So we brought the dog to the owner, and, you know, that was the end of it. However, we had about €300 damage to the grill of the car, right. which, which we paid for ourselves because we weren't going to go to the owner looking for it, you know? Yeah. But worse again, Neil, there was hidden damage that we weren't aware of, and we were due to go on holidays with the car to Europe. And not long before we were due to go, we discovered this other damage, which meant the car was tied up for six weeks in a garage. So we had to cancel the holiday, uh, wait for the car to be repaired, and then basically try and you know reschedule the holiday. And later. claim
1: off your own car insurance? Uh,
15: we didn't claim deal because the overall bill to us was about five hundred euro between the grill and the other damage. The sh- rescheduling in the holiday, we were lucky. Uh, we were going with Brittany Ferries, and then credit to them. They only charge us a very, very modest fee for rescheduling. Okay, okay. Uh, we were lucky, Neil, that we were able to reschedule because we're retired. You know, we were able to manage All right, that. but,
1: okay, but like, but what of the responsibility of the dog owner because the dog clearly wasn't under control?
15: Absolutely, Neil, and, and and this is the main point, Neil, I think, is that I believe the dog owner is responsible. Now, don't get me wrong, Neil, with a puppy, you know, they can escape from the house. You might even know they're gone, you know? So it's hard to put blame on somebody. However, outside of the blame issue, I think the responsibility is the dog owners. So whether in this case, you know, should be going to the person who knocked the dog down looking for a contribution is stretching it, you know? Yeah, you want to be
1: very brave now and have really the courage of a lion to walk up to a neighbor's door and ask for money for a dead dog. You would, you would.
15: And like, I think there's another thing obviously here Neil is that like dogs let loose and I'm not blaming the owner here by any means I believe just probably accidental anyway um, but they're dangerous like if they're uncontrolled True, enough, true, um, enough, true and, enough and from our point of view like we had 500 quid sort of damage to the car they had to cancel a holiday um, now don't get me wrong Neil we were very very sorry for the dog uh, it still plays on our minds believe it or not um, but that's the other side of the
1: of, of the coin, you know. But so, you, but you, you belayed, you, 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 suffered the loss to the damage of the car, but you didn't offer financial compensation to the dog owner.
15: No, and neither did we ask the dog owner for comp for a contribution <laughs> I know, to, yeah,
10: <laughs> to five hundred euros worth of I manage. know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know, um, I know. So your thinking
1: you know, is that the owner of the dog should really be offering to compensate.
15: Well. No, only if, like, if, in fairness, if there was no damage to the car, and let's assume there wasn't, then there was no loss to the, the car driver, let's say. Um, in that case, you know, there wouldn't be compensation looked for, really, you know. Um, but neither should the dog owner expect a payment towards the dog okay. from okay. the car driver, you know. Okay, fair enough, and, fair enough, okay. But there are, there are clearly two sides to the, the issue, but from a legal my understanding, Neil, from a legal liability point of view, the person in the car has no liability to the dog owner, other than reporting it. True enough.
1: Okay, if let's get some more thoughts on this. it. I you know? hear tell that you're yeah. in the English market and there's a great buzz there, is there? It's
15: absolutely beautiful, Neil. British Christmas shopping this morning, the lights are on, people mulling around, that is lovely. It's really all part nice, of you know? the
1: Christmas tradition, isn't it? The Absolutely, it's, it's so beautiful. Trip it's so to the English market. You know? all right. What are you picking yeah. up, incidentally? <laughs>
15: Sausage meat, um, ham, <laughs> pine, um yeah. what is the uh, some carrots? <laughs> and man, we're, yes, and hopefully we'll for a cup of tea somewhere. All right, right, go up to the farm <laughs> gate. Go up to
1: the farm gate for your lunch. You'll have a lovely time. That
15: would be lovely.
1: Actually. Take yeah, care, yeah. Declan. Listen, happy Christmas. And
15: happy Christmas. take care yourself. Okay, right,
1: Martha, bye. your thoughts. Uh, should he ask for the one thousand euro for the dead dog? yay or nay?
14: Do you know what, now, Neil? I don't think a thousand dollars a bit much, but, like, in his text message, he says, my good neighbours, like, I just think... It's a s it's Christmas time season of goodwill like the neighbour should just come in and say, Look, I know was at the puppy. Like I know myself that that was me now, I'd be up to ninety. I'd be saying, Can I give you something towards this? I'm so sorry. Like even if I didn't work there last week I, I broke a lady's cup and I was up to ninety trying to find the cup. Like never minded it, the puppy. <laughs> a dog. Do you know what I mean? Like I just think it's it's am and not asking them to like to say, Yeah, pay the whole thousand euro, but come in and knock at the door anyway and say, Look Here's 100 euro, here's 50. It's not something just to say that we're thinking of of you, like it's for Christmas, Christmas time, season of goodwill, and all that, you know?
1: Yeah, but the neighbour possibly would have done that already if that was going to happen, you see.
14: I know, yeah I just think it's very bad form from the neighbour to be honest I, I feel for that man like and his wife I just think like the neighbour should come in really and just say look obviously I, I, I like not give the thousand euro but just come in and say look here's 50 or even that's all we have I know times are bad for people who mightn't have it uh, but even just something
1: Here's a selection of texts No, he shouldn't okay. ask the neighbour to pay okay. for the dog it was an accident No, it's the dog okay. owner's fault um, Somebody's suggesting that the lead must have been very long to be able to say that it could reach out onto the road as in the dog should okay. have been under control the neighbour didn't mean to knock the dog down the dog shouldn't have gotten out in the first place says Chris the poor man I'd say he'll have to cut his losses on that one another mm-hmm. one dog shouldn't have been out legally the neighbour could actually claim off the dog owner for damages to the car not the other way around and one more for you it's straightforward okay. the dog should not have been on the road therefore responsibility is key the dog should have been kept secure he's not entitled to compensation um, so okay. overwhelmingly okay. Okay. People are saying, yeah. no, you will not get money for this. No.
14: And what, what if, like, have we all forgotten about kindness, season of kindness in general? Like, just in general, just come in and even just knock at the door and be like, I don't know, just, what? I don't understand. I Like, I have a dog myself. She's 13. I'm looking at her here now. I have my gates closed. If she went out, oh, my God, it's my responsibility, definitely. Like, my neighbour next door to me in Dunhamore, if he, he has a dog, if anything happens to that dog, I hurt that dog or anything. But I understand all that. It's everyone's responsibility. I'm just saying a gesture just to say we're sorry. Of course, it's, it's like, my fault if anything happens to my dog, my neighbour's fault if it happens to his dog. I'm just saying, like... We need to set minds on each other. Our neighbours just come in and say, I'm so sorry. Do you know I Like, I know it's not that, it's not the neighbour's fault. From my point, I'm just saying, maybe just knock at the door. Like, I, I wouldn't with myself, will wouldn't be brave enough, like, to know, to go in. But I'm just saying, I think, just, I don't know. I don't know, we just need to be a bit more kind and things and just knock at the door and be like, look, I'm so sorry. If it was me, I, that's what I would do. Well, there's
1: it. A, lot of, a lot in what you're saying, but um, yeah. a lot of people are taking a different tack, certainly by I text. get it. I'll, yeah, I'll I get, get it. I understand. Happy, I understand. Happy Christmas to you, Martha. Look Happy Christmas, yourself. Neil. Thanks so much. Your bye responsibility bye. is to keep dogs under control. If the dog damaged your man's car, he could even look for payment. Sorry, but the neighbour isn't responsible. In other words, if the dog ran out accidentally... When the door opened or the gate opened, well, then it's the dog owner's fault. Tough luck, says Bob. If your dog gets knocked down, the road is for cars and not for loose dogs. It's just tough luck. Another person says it's illegal. Uh, if the owner of a registered breed of dog gets knocked down. If he feels he should ask, then he should ask. But the neighbor is not obliged to pay Uh, but somebody suggests no one should be paying a thousand euro for any dog when there are so many rescue dogs needing loving homes maybe he should take a lesson and stop contributing to puppy farming in Ireland and there's lots more like that back after the break
2: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104
1: 106. Red FM. All right, uh, playing us out this morning, Dylan Brickley and Corey Power in studio because they were part of the great Christmas busking fundraiser, which was organized by Dylan and Corey. They raised €5,715.79 for penny dinners. And I saw a lot of that busking on Saturday afternoon. Maybe you saw it as well. They were outside Bon Thomas. They were on Patrick Street. There was more gone on over by Superdry. And there was a super, super buzz Column O'Sullivan's at Cork Airport um, Where families are excitedly Welcoming people home uh, for Christmas It's that time of the year when people are Heading home for Christmas and heading back To family, so I think there's a flight Coming, it's flights coming in all day Today and tomorrow and uh, right through To the end of the weekend, um Is online too, morning Good morning Neil, how are you? Alright, what kind of a buzz is there?
11: Oh, it's brilliant. There's people here. we just at the gang from Amsterdam all came through earlier and we spoke to some people who were back from Australia and all over the UK and Europe and so on. And there's a great choir here. The gang from the Grail's Gun and Kinsale. All the kids are singing Christmas carols. And there's just a lovely atmosphere of people welcoming people home for Christmas. And it's absolutely beautiful. And there's a London flight now just coming in from Heathrow. But I mean, it's got people from all over the world arriving because... They're coming from far-flung places. And I've got a lady next to me here, Neil. I'm going to get you to chat to now in a second. Her name is Brenda Houlihan, and she's waiting for, I think, her son, her daughter-in-law, her granddaughter, and they've been in Australia, living in Australia for 30 years, and they're back in Ireland for Christmas. So I'm going to pass you over to Brenda to say hello All right,
1: okay. They're due any minute, I'd imagine. Brenda, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? Are you anticipating their arrival?
16: Yes, they're actually in the airport somewhere at the moment, but uh, we're just waiting for them to come You're back. waiting
1: for those doors to open up, the automatic waiting doors. Waiting for and... those doors and, to open. And who are you yeah. expecting to troop through the doors?
16: Well, I would imagine my granddaughter will be the first to come through. Um, um, but then her mum and dad will be with her, my son and his wife.
1: How long have you since you've seen them?
16: About three years. Wow! Uh, the, yeah, the pan, we haven't seen them before the pandemic. Oh so yeah.
1: my God! You sound so calm in spite of all of that. They're only kind of feet <laughs> away from you, and you're as calm as a cucumber.
16: Well, Skype does that for you, doesn't it?
1: I know. See, COVID put a stop to their gallop from Australia for a while. So this oh is oh their...
16: gosh, yes, yeah,
1: yeah. And have you big plans for them?
16: Well, we have yes, because um, I've got a son coming from London with his family tomorrow, and I've got a son living in Cork. And we're we because I can't house everybody. Uh, we've taken an Airbnb in Kinsale and what? we're going down there for four or five nights. That's
1: going to be lovely. But because I was yeah, wondering where you're going to gonna put them all. What about Christmas well, dinner then? Who's going to do all of that?
16: Well, I was told I'm not allowed to do any cooking. I put up quite a fight, but I was outnumbered. <laughs>
1: it's your time now to be waited on hand and foot, Brenda. Uh,
16: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen,
1: I know you can't wait to see them. I'll let you get back to watching those automatic doors because any minute they're going to come through and there's going to be some commotion. So happy Christmas to you. And
16: to you too, Thank you. Cheers. cheers, cheers.
1: Just staying with that, actually, Colm uh, actually caught up with some people just before we came on air. And uh, this is another welcome home party. Have a listen to this. To and then we'll to... Let me get this sorted here Because I have better quality audio than that um, Anyway this is it, this is it, have a listen
11: What is your name? Siobhan Siobhan, you're back in Cork airport for Christmas Back in Ireland for Christmas And you brought someone with you
8: I did, For <laughs> my, uh, my boyfriend Jack To meet the parents for the first time So you literally witnessed the, the meeting right there
11: it? <laughs> uh, And you're, you're the dad, what's your name? Uh, Danach O'Sullivan, yes uh, You've met this fella for the first
6: time What's the first, first impression, is it good? Fine looking man, yeah <laughs> (laughs) A fine looking man. Yeah. Okay. So,
11: where have you travelled from today?
8: Um, We were in Amsterdam. We've been around Europe, travelling a bit before coming to Ireland. So, but we're from Melbourne. We're living in Melbourne at the moment. Yeah.
11: Um, Is this your first time back in Ireland? And how long?
8: For a couple of months. I I was back in July for a couple of weeks. So, not too long ago.
11: (laughs) Uh, Jack, your first time? Yeah, very first time. So, big journey. Made it. Yeah and you're meeting the family big daunting moments yeah pressure big family as well all the brothers and sisters and yeah uh, it's a bit of cr- Christmas pressure that's alright are you looking forward to spending Christmas now in Ireland? yeah very really excited can't wait sun's coming out for us today and everything so yeah start it doesn't come out too often here at Christmas time compared to what you're used to in Melbourne I'd imagine but uh, yeah it's not bad in Yeah,
0: I was, I was told not to expect it at all so this is a blessing already
11: <laughs> great and what are the Christmas plans guys? just spend it with family really meet um,
10: nieces and nephews New Zealand yesterday Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, okay, so big. They're all houseful. Houseful. Yeah. Houseful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have ten adults for the Christmas dinner. Which, Brilliant.
6: And is it the first time you've had them all home in a few years? Uh, there's one missing, unfortunately. Our daughter is in Shanghai. Yeah. But uh, all Get the other back next year. All the other four are home for for Christmas. All now. the places right.
1: they're coming from, column all over the world. You're absolutely right. And another flight just due in now, right? Brenda's one.
11: Yeah, Brenda's one, and literally just as, as we're talking, the, the family have come through here, so we're capturing some footage of that and we're going to chat with them. We might send you the audio of that for a follow-up tomorrow, Neil. Um, and uh, there's loads of people all around me now, all different families hugging each other and there's crying and there's laughter and there's, everyone is home for Christmas and as you heard, some people are home for the first time in two or three years yep. because of COVID, so yep. it's just a brilliant atmosphere and as I said the choir is singing, so it's really lovely. It is, in
1: fairness. Go get all of the audio and the ammos, and we'll play it out in the morning, so go for it and I'll talk To you tomorrow, all right? Will do. Cheers, Neil. Cheers, my man, Colin O'Sullivan at Cork Airport. Season's greetings to one and all, and welcome home, everybody. Paul McCartney's wonderful Christmas time. Season's greetings to you and yours. Our lines are open. As always, text 0868104106. In studio after the break, Dylan Brickley and Corey Power live.
2: The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106.
12: Walking home Been trying to figure it out on my own Looking back At all the good times that we've had And I just want to be close to you I want to be close to you I just want to be close to you I want to be close to you Lately I've been thinking About you baby And I'm just trying to figure out Where did it all go wrong Cause I've been waiting for you to come Where did it all go wrong where did it all go wrong? Cause when you left me there were no one by my side Missed the feeling when we felt alive Can't stop thinking and wondering why You didn't feel the same way inside Lately And I've been thinking About you baby I'm just trying to figure out Where did it all go wrong? Cause I've been waiting for you to call Where did it all go wrong? Where did it all go wrong?
1: That's as good as it gets, man. That's as good as it gets. Now I know That's you've amazing. only got the one guitar. If I known you were short of guitar, I'd have bought you a second one. <laughs> yeah, Corey, yeah. quick flip, because yeah, that was yeah. Dylan's own song. Corey's going to do his own <laughs> one as well. Then we're going to chat. So perfect. <laughs> we don't stand on ceremony around here. Share the guitar. Yeah, go for I
9: know. it. Here we go. Same situation. Here we go. No explanation I want to know Do you see what I see? I want to know Do you feel what I feel? Cause you shine like the moon Blaze like the sun You're the one Cause you shine like the moon Blaze like the sun You're the one home, feeling alone, no one to hold, feeling alone, no one to hold, cause you shine like the moon, blaze like the sun, you're the one, cause you shine like the moon, blaze like the sun, you're the one. I wanna know, I wanna know. 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 Cause you shine like the moon. Blaze like the sun. You're the one. Cause you shine like the moon. Blaze like the sun. You're the one.
1: Incredible Corey Great stuff Well done man Well done You nailed it Corey Power And Dylan Brickley Get back on mic there Dylan. Yeah. Tell me about Saturday I did come across it Amazing buzz Over five and a half grand So many musicians turned out You must be delighted
17: It was unbelievable To be honest um, Do you know what when, when, I, when I thought of the idea We'd done a bit of work for him uh, In the last few years But we also do a bit of travelling So we made sure that we are uh, we do something if we were back And um I got onto a few musicians and I, I didn't think that I'd have so many that were interested but it was over 20 musicians. Oh, it was unbelievable!
1: I see my old buddy Jamie the King was there. Oh,
17: he's unbelievable!
1: <laughs> he's awesome, isn't he?
0: Rapper. They, they actually nearly they stole the show. Yeah, <laughs> shout out, unreal. shout out to the cabin crew, shout <laughs> out to uh, shout out to GMC, all the all the hot up there. Those guys are great, phenomenal. They are phenomenal yeah. they musicians. Created,
1: they created quite a buzz. And up the street, then, when I was walking down up around Super Dry, I saw the Jingle Bells Choir doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. you created a great atmosphere. Yeah.
17: It was an unreal day like for even families going in shopping and we had people listening for about 8 hours and it was freezing cold but like they were just interested in the music and we just created a show. So who were the other people that came to play? So we had, we had a lot of different acts on the day. So we had just off the top of my head now have Rye Buckley, great. Uh, yeah, great no stuff. Name. Yeah. we had The Cabin Crew, we had Mishnook, we had uh, f- a few other rappers,
0: Trigger. And then Nicole Desmond, uh, geez, Rob Dawson, uh,
1: a lot of other street musicians rocked.
0: Of course, a lot of other street musicians, and, and some came down to travel from Limerick as well, so which was nice out of their time and day. I
1: know Katrina was blown away with five and a half grand. I mean, blown you didn't away. have a target like that, did you? Uh,
0: to be honest, we didn't. We, do you know what? We didn't think we'd raise that much. Uh, it was a complete shock when she told us the figure, so uh. We were speechless and, uh, all for good cause at the end of the day. Yeah. Doesn't
1: it show you the generosity of Cork people? When there's a it's genuine right. need, I mean, they, people all, rally, they rally. always
17: get behind. Like, even when we're busking as well, like, throughout the air. like, they're all as really supportive and, uh, we can't thank them enough. Because last year we'd done it as well but we got rained off you know, it was a very bad day it was
1: a nice day but it was we, cold but it was dry we yeah, raised yeah.
17: 1,300 last year so like we did have uh, high hopes that we'd raise a bit more than that but um, as well Katrina came up with the High Hopes Choir
1: they're in studio with me later in the and week actually Oh, really looking really forward to good that they're
17: really good as well Like they they put on a good performance and uh yeah thanks a million to everyone that came
0: out and for standing around is own. it
1: great to be back gigging lads considering all the messing are you guys busy or <laughs> yeah or yeah,
0: yeah. we've been busy with weddings and um we've done Clarney a lot Tatler Jacks and uh honestly we're just gigging all over the place last year but obviously through Covid times it was a hard Close, time yeah. not just for musicians for everybody I think and uh it's finally good to see the ball rolling again after, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. after a long time, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. it felt like a lifetime. Yeah. There was
17: a, there's a few positives to take out of that as well, because we actually got like home studios and we started writing a lot more music. So in the new year you now, we're going to push our originals, and hopefully in the new year, we're going to put on an, a show, and uh, like maybe in Cypress Avenue or something, and do a show towards the middle of the year. I think you
1: should, you look. certainly have the material. You uh, undoubtedly have the talent.
0: I remember when uh, lockdown happened... Uh, there was this app called TikTok, and ever since we started using TikTok, or you know, a, 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 what would you call it, a career, is is after going kind of skyrocketed so far. So, mm. which is good. We're still we're still doing oh, what well we're listen, doing. it but opens uh, up the whole world. Something yeah. came out of it in yeah.
1: the end. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, very
0: yeah. very grateful for that. Well,
1: listen, have a good twenty twenty three.
0: Thanks, me. R- Can okay. I get another
1: song out of you? Do you think? Yeah, are you yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, something nice a cover. Whatever yeah, you want to yeah, do. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, let's hear it, lads. Let's hear. It. What are you going to do, Dylan Brickley and Corey Parr? Is it Snow Patrol number? Is it?
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's an old classic one. And it's an uh, oldie but a goldie. An oldie but a goldie, exactly. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. And don't <laughs> be chasing cars. <laughs> yeah.
12: We'll do it all Around our heads
1: very much keeping music live. That was Thank absolutely you. incredible. Dylan Brickley and Corey Power, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Christmas, guys. Happy
17: Christmas, and we'll be up busking every day until Christmas. So stop by and say hello. Thank yeah, you,
0: you. Got it. Keep okay. music alive.
1: Yeah. You better believe it. Keep it live for 2023. Good luck. Happy Christmas. Thank Happy you. New Year to you both. Back after the break. <laughs>
2: Talk to Neil Prenderville now, 0818-104-106, Cork's Red
1: FM. Do you remember last year we did Cork's longest ho-ho-ho? Whoever could give us the longest ho, we're winning vouchers for turkey and hams. I'm going to do that again tomorrow and Thursday. We have 100 euro vouchers for McCarthy's Family Butchers and Hawks Road. You can buy a turkey, a ham, you can get steaks, whatever you want, whatever you like yourself to the value of 100 euro. So it's based on Cork's longest ho-ho. Ho, and so on for as long as you can. Whoever gets the longest ho wins uh, the 100 euro voucher. So get practicing today. I'll be taking callers on air. But talking turkeys, the last time that I spoke uh, to Robbie Fitzsimons down at his turkey farm, he was up to 90 with worry about bird flu and trying to keep his flock safe. He managed to do all of that. Robbie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, good my man. So you're calmer and more relaxed now in spite of the hard work you're doing. All was okay in the end.
10: Yeah, so sure, listen, we we are we're grateful. Yeah. Everything worked out. Um, all the turkeys are gone, and um, they're all ready for the oven. Thousands of them, all
1: them. all done, done and dusted. It's up to the cooks in the house now not to make a hames of it. Your job is done, right?
10: Oh yeah, don't make a hames of it. Don't overcook them, <laughs> and um, and make sure the oven is well cleaned and tuned up, ready to go because the turkeys are already now.
1: Yeah, but not only were we going on about bird flu a few weeks ago and the worry of it, but also a shortage. There's no shortage either. So there's not.
10: There's there's not a shortage, but I suppose look our experience and and some of my counterparts around the country is that we we tried growing a smaller turkey because the last number of years people stayed at home and wanted a smaller turkey. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what happened this year? People are gathering, and they want bigger turkey.
1: <laughs> you can't win.
10: You can't. You win. can't win. Listen, I said to a butcher yesterday, <laughs> we didn't print them. We grew them. <laughs> we started last August Bank Holiday, and a wing and a prayer, hoping that what people would want and it just didn't work out. There's a lot of four and five kilo turkeys we're counting past the morning yet to sell because they said people are gathering and they wanted bigger ones. But that's the turkey business. We don't always get it right but we we we, we always try.
1: I know, you can't anticipate people's needs all of the time. No, so no, like no. what will you do now? I mean you obviously need a well earned rest, but when will you start again?
10: Would you believe no? In the very first week in January or even over Christmas I'll sit down and I'll say that one particular breed didn't make six kilos, and why? Yeah. Should we put him in two weeks earlier? And we go back to all that work, uh, well, well to freshen our heads and looking at breeds and different, the bronze like turkey a, to the white turkey, and did we sell more bronze than white And what's the
1: difference in a bronze and a white?
10: Some people think that um, the bronze turkey, that there's a more game flavour, like a pheasant flavour off them. Yeah. And the bronze turkey has got seriously popular in the last number of years. And you see, if you wind back, way back, the brown turkey and the white turkey—they were what they call a single-breasted turkey. No, they're a big, massive, double-breasted turkey, and they're bred to have small legs because primarily people don't like leg meat, and they're they're bred with big breasts, so it have more breast meat, more calving.
1: They're breast people, not leg people, like isn't it?
10: Yeah, a lot of people don't like leg meat anymore. All
1: right, yeah, so yeah. to yeah. yeah.
10: turkey with smaller legs and bigger calving and the breast, bigger so breasts. they get more yield off the breast meat, and that's the way they've got. And some breeds let us down some years and yeah. next year we might decide to put them in two weeks earlier. Two weeks later or we might change the breed completely. So we must go back to all that in the first, first week of January. There's no, the
1: there's no rest, boy. There's no rest. No fair rest play to, to you. Fair play to you. So we'll be seeing your turkeys on tables. And they've no excuses because hickeys on Mailer Street are setting these little turkey pop-ups. You know, you stick them oh, yeah. into the breast and when the bird yeah. is cooked, it pops up to tell you. So no excuses, yeah. should there's not...
10: No, there's no excuse. Don't overcook them. We, we do that proper with a lot of the, the freeway instructions you do. We send the proper with n- nearly all of them. And um, people can't overcook them if they just keep an eye on them. And this is like everything. Uh, look up recipes and use all the turkeys the next day and everything else oh, to make a and, use it up. Yeah. and then they'll get back the value of the whole turkey. Bring it on,
1: bring it on. Okay, thanks have on. a great Christmas, Robbie. I'm delighted everything worked tell out the the Happy NFL.
10: Christmas to you and all your, your listeners Take and care. thanks for your opportunity to leave us on to, tell, the, tell the, the country and, and, and Cork what we do. Absolutely. We appreciate
1: it. Absolutely, my man. Happy Christmas it. to Happy you Christmas, and thank everybody. you for all that you do. That's the man who probably put your turkey on the table this Christmas down East Corkway, Robbie Fitzsimons. Our lines will stay open Text Lots to do throughout the next few days of Christmas on air and very Christmassy too.
9: Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to
13: redfm.ie/podcasts.